<laughs> Hundreds of episodes that I've started by saying, what's happening, weirdos? And never, never before have I meant it more than tonight. Yeah. Seriously, guys, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> this is unrehearsed. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> what's happening, weirdos? We don't know. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing our best. We're all doing our best. We really, uh, it's like a Christmas card, but we really hope everybody's hanging in there for those that are able to, uh, stay at home or those that are working, who cares? Um, I hope this offers some comfort, a little bit of normalcy because this episode, uh, with Sharon Salzberg or a second episode with Sharon Salzberg, uh, I figured we could all use some, uh, Zen and some wisdom was uh, recorded uh, well before all of this corona outbreak stuff. Stuff? Yeah. yeah you can say stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to give it its respect. You can, like, people get in heat when you're just like, well, there's, uh, I called my dad and he was just like, I'm going to Dunkin' Donuts. It was really annoying. You knew he was, too, I know. before he said anything. I know. Uh, but I, I think even he he said that Dunkin' Donuts isn't allowing people to sit down. And that seemed to be the most distressing thing about the whole. <laughs> <laughs> I so can't. His, his world is yeah. turned upside down. Everything's so upside please. I can't sit down with my Corolla. <laughs> or my white chocolate glaze. Um, <laughs> anyway, oh, so, much, so, so much less to promote. Val and I... We're, we're not that you need to do what we're doing, but we're taking, we're watching, we're going through the movies of James L. Brooks right now. Highly recommend. It's like, they're so heartwarming and. We had never seen broadcast news, which is incredible. Incredible. We watched Spanglish. Also, I already knew that was incredible. Yeah. That's one of my all time favorite movies. As good as it gets. Also great. Broadcast news. But who knew broadcast news? I mean, everybody knew. I guess everybody knew. I mean, I feel like it's one of those ones that everybody knows. And we might tonight watch Terms of Endearment. Which I always thought was the one about like... An old... affair to remember? No. Um, Steel Magnolias? Ah, uh, yes. Like a sad, like everyone's dead. Well, Shirley MacLaine is also in Steel Magnolias. Oh, okay. Steel Magnolias and That's fried green tomatoes. <laughs> um <laughs> I get mixed up. Anyway, this is... Fried green tomatoes served on steel magnolia sounds great. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Guys, that's we're losing it. Oh, my God. We were in the car today. I've been comforting myself by playing music from the 90s. I can't explain myself, but I was playing some what? Well, okay. We. I feel like this deserves some explanation. We are self-quarantining. Yeah, we're self-quarantining. But we were in the car because we're going... Um, well, I flew to Cleveland. We should start with that. Yeah. Apologies yeah. to the weirdos in Cleveland. Oh. People don't know this. I flew to Cleveland on mm-hmm. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Thursday had to cancel the shows. So and flew uh, back. Obviously, I just want to say that's how planning I was on doing those shows. I know... Well, I think by that point, people weren't disappointed as much as I think they were relieved because they didn't want to laugh on each other and get spittle on buffalo wings and whatnot. Yeah, it was kind of crazy timing because this was Thursday and that was like when it was like everything took a turn towards like, holy shit, this is serious. That was my bit. While you were on your flight. If I was doing bits, which I can't because my job is 
social gatherings <laughs> is uh, I landed in Cle- uh, Cleveland Wednesday night and there was the pres- uh, Trump on the on the, that's my point. Oh, right. Is that he's on the screen and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And then I knew something was wrong because so many people who I've never heard them call the president anything other calling Trump anything other than Trump. Yeah. Usually in some sort of goddamn Trump or whatever. Mm-hmm. Suddenly they were like, the president says to stay inside. Like I was like, oh no. <laughs> the president. This is suddenly he's the president. Like suddenly the office. <laughs> like we need it. We needed it and we need someone to listen to. Uh, so they were suddenly, that's how I knew we, we needed to take this seriously. So I flew back and since then we've just been, we've been, uh, lucky enough to be able to stay at home. I know that's not the case for everybody. Yeah, our hearts definitely go out to the people who still have to work, even though of it, it doesn't feel safe. And for the people who have to stay home and feel like that's also stressful. That's right. <laughs> it's just a stressful time. Yes. So, but anyway, uh, if the if this episode is some company for you, that's why we, I thought we'd do an extra long. Hi, how you doing? intro here this was unplanned actually yeah i know i didn't i don't think we thought it was gonna be this long i didn't think we think but you were gonna tell this is where i would be promoting tour dates yeah (laughs) and you were gonna tell the lannis oh yeah so i was playing guitar for leela today because she can't go to baby music class and dad has just riffing the hello song i figured it (laughs) out and he always starts off key Well, you, like yeah. you always find the key, but it starts with like hello. <laughs> yeah, I found it, and then it's it turned into um, what song is it? Uh, Not ironic. Um, it turned into is it the peace sign? Other hand in no, my pocket. No, it's uh, jagged oh. pill. Yeah, swallow it down. <laughs> Turns out it's just a simple G, C for the chorus, uh, for the verse, and then uh, remain on C to D for the uh, chorus, if you'd like to play it. Uh, anyway, um, I recommend naked in your living room. And I sang, I recommend hoarding TP in your bathroom. It's so what am I? Everything I knew I'd always be. I'm a fucking dad. <laughs> making dad jokes anyway then i was like i'm gonna listen to some alanis morissette someone i've always wanted to do this podcast by the way if you want to skype Lon- lanny lanny anyway this is getting boring you- <laughs> this is boring i hate this i hate this i'm skipping this intro <laughs> You're too you too said fair. tell them what you said i got in the car we were going to the park and i started playing alanis morissette and you said well, so these are all the things he has been doing recently. I was like, I love you and it doesn't bother me. But if you were writing a character about like someone who is a nightmare to be quarantined with, they would do things like listen to Alanis Morissette, listen to Dave Matthews Band and make meatball sandwiches and spill it all over the oh kitchen. Oh my God. Vegan meatballs. Vegan meatballs. VMBs. Any hoozle. This is Sharon. We're happy. <laughs> this is Sharon Sauls, uh, whose new book "Real Change" is out. Check that out. She's incredible. It was so nice to talk to her. She's the best. She is the best. It was a gift for us, and we hope you feel the same way. And we hope you're doing well. What were the charities that we're giving? There's some good ones. Feeding America. Well, we give to them. I just meant the ones about coronavirus. Yeah, Feeding oh. America. Oh, because they are. Um, they're helping with like the lower income families oh. that it's affecting. I give to them anyway. Partners. In <laughs> Did help. you get that? Can we check the levels on me saying that I give to Feeding <laughs> oh my America? God. I promise you guys, this is almost over. 
<laughs> I just am so happy to talk to someone. I know. <laughs> even though we're, it's still just the two of us in the room. Yeah, but they're here. Uh, um, okay. Fe- Feeding America, Partners in Health, Donate Blood. Um, if you are into that kind of thing, um, that's like a, some, a way that you can support without having to donate money. Gift cards um, to restaurants. You can also, there is like a Corona response fund that you can donate to. My dad texted me, Corona is also the name of a beer. Is there something there? Are you kidding me? No, that's real. This guy. This fucking guy. This fucking guy is not taking I, this seriously. That's hilarious. I, uh, this is, this is weird. Are you, were you done with the chairs? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Because not, I, I don't want to make people go nuts or anything, but I'm very glad that I have a lot of cachava in the house, which is mm-hmm. one. Of, so I've been wondering, like, how do I get some food? Mm. You guys know by listening to the show, everybody's always pointing out that we recorded in front of my earthquake food. But I opened, Val was like, you've always been a hoarder. And finally, this is your day in the sun. Because when I buy dish soap, I buy 10 dish soaps. Or when I buy cachava, I buy a ton of cachava. So I, I can open these cupboards and it's just like... I'm like, this is me. This is the, this is me. We don't need anything else from me. Everything else has been for Leela, who's doing great, by the way, and for Val. So it is a great uh, food, and it's a great food that you can stock up on. I'm not trying to get people to hoard or panic. I'm just saying it's a wonderful product, and it is a, a sponsor of the podcast. So if you want, you get uh, 20% off. Kachava, if you don't know, it's a plant-based, born-in-the-jungle superfood drink mix. Uh, made literally, I had a call with these guys when we started, and they were in the jungle looking for superfoods. These guys are the real deal. They're the Indiana Jones of the belly. It's 100% plant based. So, people that are curious about eating plants and getting more of that plant based nutrition in their lives, I always point them to Kachava. It's got omega 3s from chia seeds and flax seeds in the bag, eight superfruits, 17 greens and veggies in the bag, uh, gluten free, soy free. There's no artificial sweeteners. But there is a low uh, a low glycemic sweetener, which is coconut nectar in there. So it's sweet, but it doesn't spike your blood sugar. It's got 1,000 milligrams of adaptogens, 24 grams of plant-based protein, and 9 grams of fiber. But the reason I drink it, a lot of people drink it for weight loss, uh, health management. I drink it because it gets me high. It makes me feel amazing. It's got raw cacao in there, which is a wonderful mood elevator. It's got maca root in there, which is wonderful for energy and vitality. I got it to add to my smoothie, but it turns out, hi, Brody. It is the smoothie, as I always say. You can make it with just water. So it's basically as close as I've come to finding a meal in a pill, and it's 20% off. Notice I skipped the part where I go, and even Val will eat it. I know. It says, this is what it says, actually delicious. Val loves it. Strawberry ice cream. <laughs> She's looking at my notes. It is, but that but was this... that was off the dome. It is delicious. Yeah. You do love it. Yeah. And it does taste like strawberry ice cream if you make it with strawberries. Yeah. Chocolate. I also, strawberry ice cream. this is actually like a great time to to buy it and try it because you can't necessarily buy all of the like it's hard to get fruits and stuff. vegetables that you need and i went to whole foods it was it was nuts yeah so it's it's it is the time to have like something that's not going to go bad that quickly yeah and uh it gets you all the vitamins you need again i'm sharing this in the spirit of i get so mad because moshe will tweet some tip about like you shouldn't be doing this or you should be doing that. And I'm like, we're friends. Why isn't anyone telling me how to get this or what to avoid? So I'm sharing it in that spirit. The other one, which is more evergreen, and I am wearing right now, 
Is MeUndies? What color is this, though? The, the, he's colorblind. It, I would call this a sherbet. <laughs> sherbet. Orange sherbet. An orange sherbet. It's just dark in here. I can't really see. Yeah. I also just wanted you to look at MeUndies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works. Are you wearing MeUndies? No. This is getting erotic. <laughs> um, you're not wearing MeUndies, which is very off-brand for this uh, part of the advertisement. Because so the, our MeUndies story was that I, I it, which is true, yeah. I was tired of having ill-fitting, not very soft, bad underwear. I'm a grown man. I'm about to be 41 this month. And I bought a whole bunch of, I did a complete overhaul of MeUndies. Because I had heard about it on other podcasts. And I loved it so much, I reached out to the company. I was like, hey... Can you uh, give us a promo code for my listeners? And we've been in, we've been working together ever since. It's made from micro modal fabric, which is uh, I don't know five times softer than I'm going to say it's five times softer than normal cotton underwear. Uh, they don't just make undies; they make loungewear, which is incredible. They make onesies. I'm actually wearing double me undies because I'm wearing the pajama pants, which mm-hmm. are incredible. Mm-hmm. They're the best fitting, best feeling, best designed underwear that I've ever found, ever ever bought and put on men- menards <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what i'm saying is they're soft as heck everything that they make is wonderful you say nards but you won't say soft as hell no, they're soft as, as i'll get out and they have a great for menards offer for my listeners you get 15 percent off and free shipping this is a no-brainer especially because they have a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee that's 15 percent off the best fitting best looking uh best feeling underwear that i've ever owned for <laughs> don't say it meandies.com don't say it slash weird slash Nards. No, it's actually MeUndies.com slash weird. That's MeUndies.com slash weird. Get 15% off and show your support of this podcast. I just realized we didn't say it's Kachava, K-A-C-H-A-V-A.com slash weird for 20% off with our friends at Kachava. Podcast will always be free, no paywall, nothing like that. But if you want to show your support, uh, that is how this works mm-hmm. <laughs> and we appreciate that and while we have you let's explain sponsors and how podcasting works how dare you those aren't sponsors those are pete's picks oh okay <laughs> well then i guess i need you to explain it to me. <laughs> oh my god you are my queen how do, is there a way to see how long it's been uh, yeah it's been it's been very long what do you do you have a guess oh i don't know we'll see when it's done it's okay. 436 bar it's Ooh. been 438 bars. But you know what? You have a lot of this time. This is in 4-4 four, four time. Ooh. <laughs> and in C major. We... Well, I speak in C major, yeah. Yeah, everybody knows that. You can tell because a dial tone is actually the C C chord. That's oh. how you can tune a guitar to a dial tone. Oh, that is the most adorable 90s tip I've ever heard in my life. Swallow down. What a jagged little poo. Well, we don't want to say goodbye because uh, (laughs) we're just back to the Groundhog Day of, what, (laughs) watching a movie that we wake up and take care of Lee for like nine hours. And every time we wake up. It could be worse. It could absolutely be worse. It could be so much worse. It's not even bad. It's not bad. You said we're quarantine people. No, we're we're pandemic people. We're pandemic people. (laughs) That was a funny line. We like to stay inside already and we pretty much only like each other. That's my act one. That's my This American Life pitch is... I've always been a big advocate of parallel thinking. Whenever someone's like, mm-hmm. yo, I wrote that joke, uh, you know, I hear comedians saying that to one another. And I'm like, guys, there's only so many jokes. And you see that happening now. There's one thing happening to the globe. 
Yeah. And there's only six jokes. And one of them yeah. is, I've been training for this my whole life. Yep. That's, that's maybe the most common. Uh-huh. The other one is, which I've seen a million times, is y'all went from organic cleaners, all natural cleaners, to Clorox pretty quickly, mm-hmm. which is weird. They're not sharing the same posts. These are other people. Then there was who let the dogs out. Mm-hmm. The WHO said dogs were safe. Mm-hmm. More, so many people made that. And I was like, this Ira. You're not going to listen to this. Ira Glass. Someone get this Get this to the glass man mm-hmm. for Biglia. Send this to the glass. That's my pitch. It's a global experiment in how so many people set loose on the same topic are only going to make the same seven jokes. Yeah. It's kind of nice. It's like unifying. It's like it how is. a family has That's the right. same jokes. And there, if there is a positive, and there are, things to what's going on. I do feel the interconnectedness of things. Like we're yeah. all becoming so much more aware. Nothing is given to you that other human beings weren't involved with. Like how much more mm. human are chefs and waiters and delivery people and your mm. Amazon guy and your post person. Yeah. Like we see that the way that we uh, treat people, the way that we don't give certain people uh, sick work uh, days off, sick mm. paid days. Uh-huh. It's these things were one body. Yeah. It, you're doing it to yourself, and this is like a this is a, a good reminder of the interconnectedness interconnectedness of all things. I think. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's very unifying in the way that only pain really can be. That's right. That's true. That's interesting. Uh, so change is uncomfortable, and stay healthy. And mm-hmm. we we we're thinking about everybody. Literally, every, we're thinking about ourselves, which is everybody. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're thinking about us. We're thinking about us. Capitalist. So wa- wash your damn hands. Uh, don't go to the goddamn beach in Florida. Yeah. Stay at a fucking Dunkin' Donuts, Dad. Yeah. Uh, you know, go in and grab a donut. If you need to. If, I guess, how bad do you need a donut? I mean, that's going to kill you, too. That's what I, I tweeted. I was like, I'm getting mixed messages on uh, ordering delivery. Please tell me I can keep getting ice cream. Mm. And I, I was waiting for someone to say that's going to kill you in a different way. <laughs> yeah. But no one did. See, I feel like people are being nicer. All right. This was its own mini episode, but we don't care. Where are we going? That's right. And where are you going? Lot of love. Lots of love. Lots of love. LOL. L- Alanis Morissette. Uh, the Dave Matthews albums crash and busted stuff. Um, and for this is a serious one. Anne Lamott's book, oh, almost everything, a book about hope, is uh, is perfect. A perfect read for right now. Yeah, I agree. And, and by the way, I know we lost. I'm looking at his picture right now. My great teacher, our great teacher, Ramdas. But if you listen to almost anything that he said ever. It applies to what's going on right now. It's crazy. Mm. I don't mean in like a woo-woo, like, oh, my God. It's like he predicted. I, I mean, like, he, he'll talk about loss. He'll talk about suffering. He'll talk about pain. He'll talk about death. And you're like, this applies to what's going on now. Yeah. So there's some comfort in knowing that um, this, is, this has been a part of the human experience. You're not alone. You're not alone. Hang in there. Hang in there. Good luck out there. And uh, we have about five episodes banked, and then we'll just be doing Skype episodes, which will be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Conan's booked, and I'm not going to let him cancel. Oh, yeah. That's been, you've been trying for that one for a long time. I sure have. If he cancels, I'm going to do an episode where I just complain about it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say. Yeah, go ahead. Wait. And then oh, you yeah. sing. You sing us out. Should you do Alanis Morissette or Dave Matthews? You surprise me. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah. All right. We're sending you love, light, health. Get into it. 
I said my hell is the closet I'm stuck inside and see the light, yeah. I honestly don't know which one is. Miami is a bright house in the sky. Got central heating. This is how I sang it. Animal rides. It's actually and I'm all right. But I say <laughs> animal rides. See? Have fun. Have fun. Find the joy in Dave. Another dream guest. Come on, let's do it. I get the I get the depth. Get into it. But the vibes are good. How are the vibes? Right? These are good vibes. This is a good space. I love this space. I wrote my book in this space. You did. I sit in that sauna. Yes. I like this sauna space. over there. <laughs> yeah, that's a sauna. There's a sauna. <laughs> a far infrared sauna too. Yeah, clear, clear. Very light. healing. Yes, yeah. and if you want one, I think you can still get a discount if you mention this podcast when you call. Hey-o. They'll give you one. That's real. That's real deal. I'm sorry you don't have a mic, Val. Look, I'll be off mic. Thank you. I appreciate. Okay, it. you'll be off mic. Do they deliver in these coasts? <laughs> Uh, yes, they do. I'm sure they do. And you know they have uh, ones that are the size of phone booths, like very small. As small as you could That uh, would be want. a good New York size. I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah, let's get you more comfy, though. Can you lean on that? On those? What do you want? You, maybe you are comfy. You can put your feet on this. <laughs> this is like... See, Val teases because it's a garbage space. But I'm like, what's good about it is that it's a garbage space. Like, you know, like I... Everything that I need is on that desk. It's not in a drawer. Drawers uh-huh. are a Victorian invention of shame, Sharon. Oh this is a perfect, perfect for you. I, I, I don't want a life of secrets. I want the batteries and the tape on my desk, just as I want my heart and my fear and my anxiety laid out clean deal with that oh my god if i may take the mic for just a second this is probably our only like roommate disagreement of like sharing a space is that pete really has this desire to just have everything on counters i would say it's a disagreement if i like disagreed with you about it I, I, I'm, this is just really couples therapy now. <laughs> Meaning, I How yield. How can I to help it. you? Yes, will you help us? Your time is I very valuable. You. Your expertise is very you. valuable. We're so happy to see you. But that sounds like we disagree about it. I, I yield. Look at the house. I live in there. This is just my one area. That's true. Which I'm now ashamed. I never wanted to have a man done. No, no, I'm, I'm ashamed of my, my desk at, in New York because I've got these drawers with. Old tax things, and yeah. you know who knows what's in there. Like, I've got to go home right away and like it clean it out. Home. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what's in those boxes behind you? That's earthquake food. <laughs> That's earthquake food. You know what? Everyone laughs at old Petey until we need a, a tuna sandwich in the apocalypse. <laughs> I'm looking at Nolan because he hasn't made fun of it. Sharon, you're welcome. Val, you're just going to watch me get carbo-loaded. Welcome to California. <laughs> it's earthquake food. Oh, When I first okay. moved here, I didn't, I didn't understand how people could live. Remember that board game? It's a puzzle, and you wind it up, and there's a timer, and then at a certain point, the, the puzzle explodes, basically, Not from the really. 80s. I, I'm a little older than I know, you. I know you should remember you. better than me. You were, you were playing this. You were like, look at this cutting-edge technology. I, <laughs> I loved that game. What was that called? It was like- I don't know. Pop it or something. It was something like that. And we live on one of those. We live on a board that at any moment. So I think one of the things that makes 
Uh, and I'm going to put this to you, Sharon. I, I just mean like I'm not just going to blab and Val and I aren't just going to talk about desk <laughs> theory. One of the reasons I think California can be leaning towards spiritual stuff is I think there's more of a death awareness here. There's a death awareness on the East Coast because you guys have seasons. Val and I spent the winter and the fall in Rhinebeck, and we were like, God, we felt like we were enlightened. We were like, of course, the leaves become the fertilizer for the tree. And you see the cycle. Then you come out here, and it's timeless and sunny all the time, which is very unnatural, uh, or it can feel unnatural, because I don't feel sunny all the time. But I do think we go around going like, we sort of, like, ask anybody what their earthquake th- theory is, what their plan is, and they don't, they don't really have one. They're just kind of like, well, oh, at so any then moment. It's denial, right? It's, it's denial. Not, it's not awareness. Yeah, and what do you think? Go ahead. Let me just say, you spent November in Rhinebeck? Yes. It's not exactly the depth of winter. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. It felt like winter to us. Just saying. <laughs> I love it. That's Just true. Saying, you you yeah. called us out. We wanted to be there for the transition, and we yeah. were. And yeah. Val, who writes poetry and is quite lovely, and we were reading Mary Oliver, and, and it just made so much more sense. Yeah. Here we read it, and it's like remembering a dream. There is something very... By the way, this is your safe space and your happy space. Not everything has to be spiritual. But I'd be saying this regardless of the guest. There's more of a spiritual... Um, what's the word? Uh, melancholy. It's like a good melancholy. Val really tuned into it. Women have it with menstruation, obviously. Men don't have it built in. And I really benefit from seeing it from the natural world. And then what I think makes L.A. like Instagram became a city is it's all smiling. It's always hot. So you're always wearing like form-fitting clothes. So people get really ego-obsessed. Plus this whole town is what Richard Rohr would call the false self, the ego. It's just the modification of false self which I, I, I'm, I'm too excited to see you. I'm talking to you. <laughs> what, do you what, what do you think about those two things? The one, earthquake awareness. What, what did that make you think of? And hello. It made me think, oh, my God, I'm in California. <laughs> what is this, an earthquake? <laughs> I'm in a hotel. They didn't even give me any instructions. You know, That's like, what it is. Earthquake, go here. Like, Shouldn't they tell you? Yeah, I, I agree. I'm when going I first, right back. And yes. Them, what but they won't, doing? I don't think they'll know. They'll be like, the best advice I got was someone was like, go outside. My friend Kenya was like, go outside. And I was like, okay. Avoid well, I, I will say I'm sitting with two East Coasters, and I was born and raised on the West Coast. So I kind of understand. Like, I couldn't believe how earthquake-obsessed Pete was when, when we moved in. Yeah. And you are right. Like, you guys are right. What- but when you are raised with it as a your reality and you're doing earthquake drills – um, you know, as young as four, it kind of just becomes like a, well, it's going to happen. And maybe the, it is a denial. We're mm. like, we've become numb to it or something. Um, but it but, is. Yeah. And I, th- I think you do see what I'm saying is it's not awareness. It's not death awareness. Yeah. I, I always think of Gandhi when they, when he was shot, he said, Ram Ram was the last thing that he said. That's death awareness. That's a guy who's getting value and, and uh, mindfulness out of realizing we say on this podcast all the time i hate brushing my teeth but when i do it i go this might be the last time you brush your teeth so you feel the bristles and, and you experience it like a child it really snaps you into it so you can have that but we we don't really have that as much as we have de- earthquake denial which is death denial because mm-hmm. earthquakes could happen at any moment there's yeah. no reason for them it's just a natural thing 
Same thing with death. And now I'm going to throw it to Sharon because you, I, know, I remember this from last time. You are the face of the Buddha and you are so happy to just sit here and listen. You must love, I must look like one of those men that they put outside car dealerships that's just <laughs> flapping. And I'm, I think that's my appeal. I'm fun. And I'll just flap the whole time. But I told myself, Sharon Salzberg, number two, I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to listen more. So what does that make you think about? Death denial, earthquake denial. I'm done. I'm just so happy to see you too. I'm so happy to see you. Well, we can, I'm death denial would be an interesting thing to talk about in this era post Ramdas, you know, having yeah, just died. Right. But, but even before that, you know, it feels like California is entering a new reality. Like I was staying up in Marin County and there was a blackout. There was a power outage and, you know, I was just, in, I was in a hotel and it was like pitch black in my room and I happened to have like a little flashlight in my bag, which I found. And, you know, I didn't want to, uh, there was no Wi-Fi, and I didn't want to use my cell phone and wear it out, you know. So yeah. I was like, and I opened the door, and then I thought, no, I can't leave. It's an electronic key. What if I can't get back in? You know, oh, I didn't know, right. you know. So yeah. closed the door, and I thought, I know how to sit in the dark. I can meditate, you know. So I just meditated for like two hours, and I love it, you know. And then the next day, I asked the person behind the desk, like, what was that? And he said, oh, I don't know, and it just happens, you know. Dude, I think our disconnection from how technology works is actually part of this post-truth, post-modern crisis that we're having. Of course, you don't know how to fact-check politics. You don't know how to fact-check the device you're getting your politics from. It might as well be a magic crystal. Mm -hmm. You and I, you mentioned being older. We're both older than the kids that were just raised with iPhones. And that's kind of like, I'm privileged for that. I'm like, I remember that I had to be at least inducted a little bit into the idea that radio, it's sort of like radio waves are coming into this and they're being transmitted. But like, if you were just raised with that, this is one of the reasons why I think millennials, they've explained to me, can be more disillusioned is they have a device that you say this in your new book, which is called Real Change, which is wonderful. I haven't finished it, but it's wonderful. Thank Congratulations. You. That you talk about participating in a system that they didn't design yeah. and they didn't ask for. Yeah. Yeah. The way they put it was they have a, a device in their pocket which, of course, is highly addictive. It gives us our phone, uh, or not our phone, it gives us our food, it gives us our rides, it gives us directions, it gives us information, but also gives you bad news uh, 48 times a day. And minor stuff, stuff you don't need to know. I just found out an actress from MASH died. I, okay, I, I'm okay with that. I, I don't mean her passing. I don't have an opinion about that. I'm just saying that's, a, <laughs> that's not like the worst news in the world. But like that's a heavy way yeah, to go through the yeah, world. Yeah. And you talk about sitting in the dark for two hours, and you also talked about the Thai Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. Tell, talk about that a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, well, uh, one of the things that I was, in that particular chapter, you know, I guess in the book, I was, I was also trying to get to those places where um, we're not crushed by the, that bad news. You know, we have some examples anyway of people who, even in the midst of devastation or something really bad happening, uh, are shining a light in some way so that we mm. see there's a way. So those kids who were, you know, those Thai kids who were stuck in the yeah. cave and underwater and, you know, and who meditated because their coach taught them how to meditate there. Yeah. Or, you know, At that was, point, it becomes a necessity. Yeah. It's almost like yeah. the urgency. We're back to earthquakes and death. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking today about uh, Judd, who produced Crashing With Me, was like the only way to get away from your phone is to leave it in a drawer. And I was like, that's so interesting because our phones are like our minds. And the only way to get past our minds and our egos is to leave it in a drawer, which is death. 
Like that's mm-hmm. why the being forced into like death awareness mm-hmm. is kind of like leaving your phone in a drawer. You know you won't do it unless you leave it behind. Isn't yeah. that weird? Yeah. So you're saying these kids in this cave sort of what a, what a terrible situation, but there is this silver lining of like we're going to learn to meditate because we we have to. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> so the game was set up for them that yeah. day. Well, I mean, it's 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 also true that um you know, like I went to India when I was 18 years old because I had had such a traumatic childhood and I I had such a desperate urge to learn how to meditate. And uh, I was going to college in Buffalo, New York because like I didn't see it anywhere in Buffalo at that time. And, and, and so I had to go to India and I literally had not even been to California when I went to wow. India. And, and uh, there's something about having like easy access, you know, that... It defies that, you know. You can take something much more casually. Yes. When you slept halfway around the world, you this know. Is, and, this is probably a, a. Somebody pointed out to me that Buddha gets misquoted all the time, so I might be quoting. I might be misquoting. It doesn't really matter, I, I guess. So I'm saying it could be true, but the mistake you're making is that you think you have time. Have you heard that one? No, but it's a good one. <laughs> the mistake you're making is you think you have time. I yeah. mean, I think about this all the time. I'm always going like later I'll lay all of this down yeah. or just dance with it or play with it. But like, I'll do that later. I was, I was just this morning thinking about how, when I was younger, like maybe five, six years ago, we went to some Oprah thing and I was like, what do I want? It was one of those things. What do you really want? And I was like, well, if I'm being really honest, I like access, adoration and ascension and access was just like, I like going to a nice restaurant. So that means money to a certain extent. Mm. That means like knowing a person that might know of a nice place, even if it is like a cheap place, it doesn't have to be like a fancy place, mm. but like, I know this place that's access. Adoration of course is what I do for a living. I want people clapping and laughing at what I say. That is pleasant for me due to my psychology or whatever. But then I was like that third one at, uh, um, ascension meant like spiritual progress. And I was like, I, I'm going to call bullshit on myself. I think you want the sensation of progress, but you don't actually want it. Cause I think it seemed it would be easier to just go like it's here and now let's just merge into it instead of going like, it'll be in that next book or that next class or that next retreat or that next whatever. And that worked. I was actually going to the bathroom and I was like, stop it. Stop, just stop it lay it down and val and i have been getting better at identifying you talk about it's a very powerful thing Mm -hmm. to know you're thinking when you're thinking and know Mm -hmm. you're feeling when you're Mm -hmm. feeling and that was when i was like oh there's talk about ramdas he pointed to his head and he goes entertainment that was that he barely could talk the last time i saw him but he just points at his head and goes entertainment and i was like that's it and one of the things one of the channels on the netflix in my brain is spiritual stuff and it's such a such a baloney pajoni. <laughs> well, and I wonder if you can speak to the even the idea of um, looking at it as progress, like having a spiritual goal, and I will attain that goal if I can just meditate every day, or if I can, you know, like because it's so easy since we're trained to think of things that way as like. Being like, well, I'm going, I want to be this kind of spiritual person. So I'm going to do all X, Y, and Z. And then there's a way that I can fail or succeed at that, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I wonder it if you. Is, right? I mean, you, you teach practice, you practice observing your thoughts and your emotions. So, how, Sharon 18, 
I'd, I'd love to see that flight, by the way. Who is going to India from JFK <coughs> in 19-whatever? I want to know who those people are. And, yeah. you know, and you were one of them in the middle seat, I'm sure. Because yeah, <laughs> you're not a savvy traveler, so you're getting put in the back row. Someone's reclining and you're punching it because you're not yet equanimous. Anyway, <laughs> Sharon then and Sharon now, there is progress. What do we do with this? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think realistically we do have goals. You know, I think it's... I mean, there's a use, there's a utilitarian um, result of saying we don't have goals, you know, because it helps cut just craving and obsession and things like that. But, but we do have goals. The question is, are they the right goals? You know, so it's like the Dalai Lama reflecting this Buddhist teaching would say, everybody wants to be happy, every and happy in a deep sense, a sense of belonging, feeling at home somewhere, like in his body and his mind with one another and on this planet. And that's right. You know, that's not wrong. That's not something you should be ashamed of or feel squeamish about. The question is, do we have a clue how to get there? And usually no. You know, we think um, I will be truly happy when I can say I've been to that restaurant. I was just going to say access and adoration. Those are attempts at happiness. That's right. They're baloney. Baloney pajoni. Well, they're in, it can help, insufficient. It's, it's not sufficient. Yes. It's not sufficient. Yeah. And so the Dalai Lama, before his English got better, he said, and I always like the old way he said it, he said something like, uh, if you're going to be selfish, in other words, if you want to be happy, uh, he said, be a wise selfish. Like, figure it out. Yeah. You want to be happy, just don't believe everything you've been told, you know, and don't buy into the myths and the lies and... Mm. Find out where real happiness is to be found and go for it. Mm. And that's good. You know, that's not weird. That's not craving. That's not greedy. Mm. But it takes a lot of stepping back because the world will tell you, like, wow, you've been to that restaurant. That's right. You know, I couldn't get into that restaurant. You're the best. (laughs) And then you think, I don't feel like the best. There must be something wrong with me. Oh, we've, Val and I together have been to some of the fanciest, pantsiest things in the world. And I don't I don't want to hyperbolize and say it was miserable, but there was like a real ache. I'm not saying that to be a holy guy and be like, there's an em- there was like a real hungry ghost to yeah, use a Buddhist yeah. thing. I was like, this is never going to be enough. I said in, in my book, I was like, I, I'm from a family that talked about dinner while we were eating lunch. We planned our dinner yeah, while we were eating yeah, lunch, and yeah. we were never eating lunch. We yeah, never we've never yeah. had a lunch. We've never been anywhere. Yeah. So that to me. I, I sometimes get caught up when people think enthusiasm is happiness. I actually think surrender. You can see why I love RD because yeah. he was like, I love the photos of him smoking cigars and hitting golf balls. And he, I don't think he, he didn't own a plane, but he flo- flew a plane. And he, and back in those days, even more so, being a Harvard professor was the ticket into the into the restaurant or whatever it might have yeah. been or to respect. And he was miserable. Yeah. And I'm like, to me. And again, Sharon, I'm not going to keep doing this. But to me, the surrendering of like, and the acknowledgement of like, okay, Pete's psychology, his personality, talk about our childhoods, like what he's lacking in a psychological sense is satiated from these things. And that's okay. But the true happiness goes, it's all here. As Eckhart Tolle says, can you feel the ring of peace around mm-hmm, your mm-hmm, turmoil? Mm-hmm. Even when you're in turmoil, can you feel yeah, this yeah. hum? That's the juice. Yeah, yeah. And when I'm comfortable and you know, not worrying about where my, my basic needs are going to be met, I, can get, I have an easier time getting in touch with that. Yeah. Then I'm the person in the blackout that goes, well, I'll just sit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. 
but but the needs were and Ramdas would say the same he's like it's okay uh, he he had such a respect the third patriarch of zen i've been listening to a lot and he's like to deny things their meaning is to miss their meaning yeah, as part yeah, of it yeah. so to go it's all emptiness is is sort of missing it yeah. as well yeah, 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 in yeah. another way so yeah. honoring pete honoring sharon yeah yeah can be a way but the deeper happiness is yeah. And you hold them both because it's nice to be successful, you know. It's yeah. better than not being successful. Yeah. But, you know, where is the deepest happiness? I think Ron Ross was an incredible model of that. Mm-hmm. It's like when I saw that most recent movie. Becoming called, Nobody. Becoming Nobody. Thank you. Um, and so much of the footage was Ron Ross pre-stroke. Mm-hmm. You know, and it reminded me, you know, because, of course, I knew him so well then and for so long. and. Um, like when I got off the plane and, you know, at the age of 18, I met him three months later and, hmm. um, you know, and, uh, he was so articulate. It was like a, a genius tongue, you know, that was a superpower mm. and to see him back in that phase yeah. and to remember, you know, this last phase yeah. where the speech was so halting and, yeah. you know, and he got out there anyway, which always amazed me. I thought if I was that different from what I was so renowned for? Would I still be out there? I knew a comedian, and I say this with with a broken heart, remembering this man who's so funny and so. And then something happened medically, and I I, I didn't know him well enough to visit him. It, I, we weren't even friends, but the story was like he didn't want people to even see him. Yeah, and I totally understood. This was somebody that could cut down a whole forest with his wit. Just yeah, like yeah, power, yeah. pure power. So if Ramdas was like. Uh, yeah, please remember me that way. That's yeah. what we do in this culture. It's like, please put the, the sheet around That's me. Right. I'm going to drink some weak tea and have a Werther's original, but don't ask me to talk. Yeah. He didn't seem to no. mind. No, and there were so many times, as you saw, you know, like when I'd be on that stage with him and he couldn't find the word. And I knew damn well, everyone knew what he was trying to say. Yeah. And it was so tempting to just supply the word. Of and course. I kept sitting there thinking, don't do that. That's the wrong thing to do. Whatever yeah. you do, don't give him the word, you yeah. know. And like, and when Mirabai said that uh, when they were working on that last book together, walking each other home, walking each other home. Thank Which you. Is great. I'm going to I'm going to you. I'm going to fill in the title. It is a great book. Yeah. Even if you don't know Ramdas, if you are dealing with someone dying, yeah. or are dying, yeah, that's the book. I'm like, bring bring yeah. me that. No, book. that is a beautiful book. And mm-hmm. and she said she she would ask him. Like, do you feel old? Do you ever feel old? And he would say, that's when I feel old, when someone supplies the word. Oh, wow. You know? And so I think about him out there and vulnerable and um, open. And mm-hmm. everyone who's who had known him for a long time will say uh, he only got better after the stroke. Okay, so you know, early Access Adoration, Ascension Pete loved pre-stroke Ramdas, and I would watch movies like Fierce Grace, yeah. and I'd be like, what, what is this? I don't want to yeah. see my hero right. being lowered into a pool. He looks so... Right. I think he did look feeble. I would, I, I would say he would have said that. Like, it was something we don't have space for in our culture, is uh, the, the word... I forget what word he needs. Uh, when, you're, when you're in need, that neediness is not yeah. respected. Now... There was a shift. One of my Ramdas shifts was I was like, post-stroke Ramdas, that's where it's at. That's right. He would listen to pre-stroke Ramdas and he'd go like, wow. <laughs> like he sort of had like a look at him go sort of feeling. Not that he was wrong. Yeah, yeah. But- no, I agree. Like when I saw that movie and I was watching pre-stroke Ramdas, 
um, which is a great phrase. PSRD. You know, it, it didn't feel <laughs> hypocritical or shallow. He wasn't just saying it. Like, he knew it on some level, but he really knew it on a whole other level right. after the stroke. The phone was in the drawer. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. you won't leave power is too sexy. It's too colorful, especially in a culture that loves power. This is, he and I would talk a lot about power addiction and mm-hmm. specialness, addiction to specialness. He would do that to me, go like that, because I would go like, so being special is okay, right? And he was like, because he would tease that he was special. He was like, look, everybody loves me. He would say as a joke, because I think he knew that that's what I was going for. What were you going to say, my love? Oh, I was just going to say... To ask you to say what what Krishna Das said about now Ramdas is who oh yeah and this that was post stroke Ramdas right yes but you remember it better than I do I think it was Mirabai that said he became who he was always it's Krishna Das yeah oh it was Krishna Das <laughs> he said he became who he, I don't know if he said he always thought to he be was or he, he became who I always thought but okay he was. so my entry point is pre stroke Ramdas is <laughs> powerful I listened to him this morning. I, I like to listen to him a little bit every day if I can. And we're walking and there's like a, a showbiz. And I don't mean that in a phony way, but he's like, come at me. His attitude to the audience. Cause I like to be rough with the audience. Sometimes if I feel like that's what, what would entertain them, meaning like I give them a hard time for not laughing or I basically you're saying, try to keep up with me. Like, the, the joke is, I'm smarter than you. Of course, you don't really mean it. You're afraid of them. But that's what makes the joke because you're, you're like super powerful. He, he gave this talk. The one that I just happened to turn on was like, I'm not going to tell you a belief system. I'm going to tell you how it is. And I was like, that's what a stand-up does. A stand-up takes very esoteric, mysterious, unknowable things sometimes and goes like, this is how they are very plainly. I'm going to break it down for you. And that's the guy that hooked me because – like the, my psychology with RD was a lot about a father figure. And I was like, look at this daddy. He's going to carry me through Disney world and he'll never get tired. I'll fall asleep in line to, to space mountain and he's going to save me. And I can, I can trust him. It's almost like fierce. And then after I, I had to learn that that open hearted, when we watch, um, it's called, what was the one we love on Netflix? Going home. Going home. When he points at his heart and he goes, I, I used to think it was all out there and now I live in here. And he points to his heart and he just laughs. It's not even a laugh. It's like a face that most people that aren't on drugs don't make. Like a true joy face. Mm-hmm. Like a, it's wonderful. And I was like, oh, it's not show business. It's yeah, not who right. can articulate it the best. It's not who can slay the Q&A. Somebody's going to ask, well, what about this and this? And then he's just going to dazzle them with a, a Wikipedia, an encyclopedia that's just in his brain that he can just lay out and flatten you and win you over with humor and warmth. It wasn't even about that. It was about a guy that was just like surrendering into the moment. And yeah. that was far less sexy yeah. and exciting and Western and achievey. Yeah. But I got into him as an achiever that went, yeah. oh, there's me doing achieving this thing and then he had a stroke and figured out what it was really about he left his phone in the drawer (laughs) yeah well it became all about love and i think for him you know as he would say he said one year on maui um the hardest thing for him always had been receiving Mm. you know and i think that's true i mean i you know i'd known him 
for you know decades and it was hard to even give him like a birthday present you know or compliment you yeah. know and and he said the hardest thing about the stroke more than the physical pain more than the disability more than the speech or the aphasia and all that was having to receive hmm. having to let people help him and he said it was the hardest thing but the most liberating and he said up on the stage um i don't know if you were there that year he said um one of my famous books is called How Can I Help? Now I feel like writing a book called How Can You Help Me? Yeah. And I realized it was so interesting to me because it was like the love poured out of him because it was also able to pour into him. Yes. And there was like no barrier, you know, yes. so it was just this transparency. Well, talk to a sweet, I did a show recently, Val knows this, and I had a stomach flu or something. And I don't want to gross people out. I think it's a funny story. The whole ride up, my opener, Lara, was driving, and I was just – talk about meditating with a need. Just focused on the moment, not barfing. <laughs> like there was a real stake to the game. I was like, if I think – I think everybody knows the power of your thoughts. When you have what you think might be food poisoning or a stomach flu, you're like, don't think about food. Don't think about – throwing up so you see the power that they have over your body so you're like just be here just be in the car everything's fine get to the hotel i'm checking to the hotel i can't even look at the person i'm holding all these sick guy things i have like a, a bottle of coke <laughs> i have uh, saltines i'm just like please trying to non-verbally transmit please let me into the room i end up throwing up in the <laughs> elevator which was again this isn't holy pete i'm saying if you want to talk to a kind and gentle, sweet Pete, talk to the Pete that threw up in the elevator. Because I had to call down and say, I'm so sorry, I threw up in your elevator. And they're like, what room are you in? And I'm like, why do you, <laughs> like, I'm thinking like, why bring my my label into this? You want to know whose DNA is in the, like, there's a shame. They were very nice about it. They were like, it happens, it happens. But I was like, that is a Pete that isn't going to cut you down. That is a Pete who realizes he's a bag of liquid. It's blood and vomit and just all these gross, not gross, but like grotesque things. Yeah, yeah. And that Pete isn't going to say like, Hey, uh, that 50 bucks you owe me pay up with interest. Like he just is gentle. And I think maybe that is one of the graceful things built into aging. I hope mm -hmm. that's at least my hope for me. I certainly think that's what was happening with Ramdas. He couldn't have the pride of even using the left side of his body. Or, yeah. I believe it was the right side. I'm not sure. I think it was the left side. Let's look at the painting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that 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 he became what he was teaching instead of the guy yeah. who, as I said many times on the show, he's like, if I know all this, I should be enlightened. That's one of my favorite Ramdas things because that's how I feel every day. I'm like, I everybody on the couch has access to more teaching and more books and more videos and how many Ramdas mm -hmm. movies are there. We know all this. Shouldn't we be there? I mean, what do we do then? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he really did embody it. And given the shape of his body, the state of his body, you yeah. know, it was kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you have a, a health scare this past year? I was going to open by saying what changed since I saw you last. Ramdas left right. his body. And then there was a scare. There was a time when there was a, people were texting very yeah, concerned about yeah, 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 yeah. Sharon. Thank you. It was <laughs> yeah. just... Uh, 
uh, a year ago, really. I mean, I, I just wow. left the place where I was a year ago when um, I collapsed, and uh, my friends where? called uh, in this little town outside of Santa Cruz. I was staying with some friends. I was staying in their guest house, which was like down the hill. Mm. But fortunately, I was not in their guest house. I was in their house. So because if you'd collapse in their guest house, they'd be like, she's on a hermitage, basically. Yeah, that's she right. wants some alone time. Yeah. My goodness. Uh, so, um, what, what, what do you remember of the collapse? Uh, <laughs> was it like trippy? <laughs> it was pretty trippy. And I was in a, uh, it was kind of exhilarating. I mean, I didn't. I didn't recognize that I was sick or that I was in trouble. I thought I was having some altered state of you, consciousness. Isn't that you know, funny? It was very trippy. And um, was it psychedelic? Uh, it was kind of psychedelic. It wasn't visually psychedelic, yeah. but it was. It was. It was like that sense of a journey. I thought, oh, I'm. You know, this is like. I'm. I, I'm. My thought actually was, oh, I'm like reading my own DNA. You know, I'm just like, I'm so like. <laughs> Trip. Wow. And, uh, I'm reading my own DNA. Somehow you got in the library, the yeah, Sharon yeah, Library, and you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, wow, there's my left or my right handedness. Excuse <laughs> me. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. wow. And I was just like, ooh. And, uh, but then I got up, I guess, to go to the bathroom and I collapsed. So then I kind of came to on their couch and there was this stranger looking down at me. He said, I'm an ambulance driver. I've come to take you to the hospital. Is that okay? Oh, wow. And I, I was really confused. I looked at my friends like, why do I have to go to the hospital? And then, uh, and they're like nodding their heads, you know. And, Whoa. and I realized, oh, I didn't quite remember their names. And I thought, oh, I guess I have to go to the hospital. And Wow. I, don't, I remember zero of the ambulance ride, like zero. Whoa. And kind of came to uh, somewhere in the emergency room. And basically I had sepsis and they were really trying to find the original source of the infection so that they could give me like very precise antibiotics. And um, they couldn't that night. And then, uh, you know, they sent me to ICU on some more general IV antibiotic. And um, this is the part that, you know, people like have asked me, like, what did you learn or what was the yeah. thing? And it wasn't even so much that, but I saw the... Um, the effect of so much practice, you know, it's oh. like it was right there supporting me, oh. you know. So one story I tell is like I was in the ICU and there was a nurse who was a, a male and uh, he was an acupuncturist in town. He was he was working part time in in uh, ICU and so he knew who I was and um, uh. and he was incredibly sweet. And at one point he said to me. Um, Oh, your lips are really chapped. I'm going to go get you a chapstick. And I said to my friend, oh, isn't that nice? He's giving me a chapstick. And then I said, well, he's probably not giving it to me. It's probably going to cost me $65, you know. Uh. And I think, where did that come from? You know, being able to, like, be funny or yeah, look at the situation and not be, like, completely hysterical mm. You know, and and I just felt that throughout. I mean, there were harder times, and you know. You mean the humor came from a depersonalization yeah. of the experience? Yeah, or spaciousness. You yeah, know, spaciousness. like it, it was just a sense of oh, you know, I'm not like completely identified. You with, were just you know? at the hospital for Leela. She had a little procedure done. Nothing, too, nothing serious at all. Um, the hospital's a funny place to me. I think it's very funny. Val teases me because. Mostly in my life, I'm not that hammy, but at the at the hospital, I'm very hammy. 
I like not just making jokes. I like asking them, have you heard that joke before? I want to know what jokes are they hearing? <laughs> like, so my, my manager just had a procedure done and I visited him in the hospital and they came in and people keep making jokes like, he's going to drive, he's going to drive to the person that's in the hospital bed. And I was like, do you hear that a lot? Because there's a need for a laugh. The guy with the bandages, he's going to drive. And we all need to relieve, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. release yeah. that tension that we're in a room with someone who's their body and you're doing it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and that was really good. And, and yeah, there, just, good. there were just times, I mean, of course, you know, there were times it was scarier. There were times that were harder. And, uh, but there was something supporting me, which I felt was kind of undeniable, you know. That. Obviously not to put down Ramdas when he had his stroke he said there was no spiritual thought. He was like I have more yeah. work to yeah. do. Yeah. I'm so happy. I I didn't even realize it's like a mitzvah. I'm like it was in there. Uh I had this was a year ago but I had an LSD trip and I and I kept saying to Val who was not on LSD, uh but I was like it's all in there. Meaning everything that I read, yeah. everything that I learn I was like, it matters. Because it's not, I wasn't dying, but you know, there's a certain sort of other placeness to it. And I was like, it's in here. And I was like, whenever I'm on some drug like that, I'm, I'm always thinking of there's Cosmic Pete and there's Earth Pete. And I'm like, Earth Pete, tell him he's doing a good job. Like, that's a good thing to do. And when you look at priming, something that I just found out about is so interesting. I was telling you, Val, about this. Where if they do a test with somebody, I just read this in Mike, Science Mike's new book, which is called You're a Miracle and a Pain in the Ass, which is an incredible book. He talks about, they do a study, obviously the study isn't what they say they're studying. And if they use words like patience and kindness and love, um, the person in quantifiable ways will act more patient, kind, and loving. And he's like, you are not as autonomous as you think you are. And I was like, of course, this is, this is what you do. It's loving kindness meditation. Yeah. It's going, we think we're out there. Well, I was rude because uh, that was a rude situation. You're rude because you were primed. It, it made yeah. me look at yeah, everything yeah. differently. Yeah. What music am I listening to on the yeah. way to the show? Yeah, I used to think that for, with a Judeo-Christian ethic, a Western evangelical ethic, meaning it's bad to listen to this or this or this. I think there's room for everything, by the way. I just have to be aware of how is this probably affecting me. Sometimes I need solidarity. I want to listen to some dark music mm-hmm. that might like mirror how I'm feeling mm-hmm. and I feel less mm-hmm. alone and that can be beautiful. But if I'm trying to get into an open place, it's way better. I, I've been doing it just to say to myself in the morning, like, peace, page, patience, kindness, gentleness, loveliness makes a difference because we're, we're meat puppets and we're talking about reading our DNA. It's this code that is so impressionable. That's why you have the stomach flu. Don't think about what you had for breakfast. You might throw up. Don't think about licking a lemon. You're going to salivate. It's insane how much power. Mm -hmm. It's like you can hack the system a little bit. Well, one of the really beautiful implications of what you just said, I think, about it's all in us is what happens when like a teacher like Ramdas dies. Mm. You know, because on one level, of course, it's a big loss. It's like, oh, I guess I'm not going to Maui in December and seeing him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm not going to get that blurb for my book for yeah. example isn't you know? that funny i i sort of had the same thought that's a very practical way that we would engage yeah. and but it, on yeah. the other hand if it's all in us you know like like i i would also challenge ramdas even though he's not here anymore 
I mean, he was plenty spiritual when he had the stroke, but that was sort of part of his um, uh, self-denigration, you know. Which is part of his humor. Yeah. It's way funnier and more relatable to be like, when I had my stroke, I was I nothing spiritual happened. Yeah. That's his whole thing. That's the most Ram Dassy thing yeah, ever. Yeah, and, and yeah. his self-denigration had lots of levels to it, you know. It was part of why it was hard for him to receive. Like, did he deserve the love? Did he right. deserve the accolades? You right. know, and so uh, that might have been his reaction. And I'm sure there were certain levels of that, you know, right. that were real. But I'd say certainly from the outside, he was a lot more spiritual and he gives himself credit right. for Right, right. Yeah, he would deflect that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was it it was it was in him for sure. I I really regret the last time I saw him. He said any questions again, sort of with that chutzpah. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, it's so sweet. I'm sitting with him again. It's so tender, and he just goes, any questions? <laughs> and I'm just like, I didn't even think to prepare a question. And now I, I there's a couple things. I, I had two questions I wished I asked him. One was, if you were me, what would you do? Meaning, what would you do with my life? If you woke up and you were me, what would you do? That would be a nice answer I'd love to get. And then what is it like to die? Because he had been so close to death so many times. Here I am talking about his stroke, which is 97. He had had so many more experiences where he was close to death. And pretty much, I don't know if he ever did die, but I wish I had said, what was that? What can you tell me? You went ahead of us. What was that like? Because that's, that's where we're all going. Yeah. I wish I had asked. Yeah. I mean, he'd always gone ahead of us, you know, into service, into interests, like yeah. working with dying people or, you know, yeah. he was always ahead of us. I know. Well, you said there were scary parts in your thing. Did yeah, you have scary that, parts. like, I think Sharon's about to go? Um, I I guess I did. You know, there wasn't like... By the time, you know, I, I, I liked ICU, for example, and I asked to stay an extra night, which no one ever does, you know. And Why did you like it? I liked it because I had my own nurse and because I had my own room. I wasn't sure if I would have my own room, which I, in fact I did, but uh, when they transferred me to a floor. but um, I see. I just liked it. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I got chapstick. I yeah, got, I got chapstick. Room. You know, it's like. Yeah. I remember feel, when Val had her baby, we had a nice room. Not like a fancy showbiz room, just like the rooms at Cedars were private. They let us do the lighting how we wanted to. We had electric candles and stuff. And we were like, we didn't want to be, uh, what's the word? Not ejected, but we didn't want to be moved. So I understand that. Yeah, so I'm sure it costs like a billion dollars. But anyway, yeah. they let me stay another night. And then they moved me to a floor. And it was like, a, I had my own room. It was a teeny tiny little room. And um, one wall was not really a wall it was more like a room divider mm. uh you were in a cubicle <laughs> yeah i mean i guess and so i couldn't see who was in the next room but i heard everything and so it was it was really amazing it was like because it was a succession of people I was there for 10 days mm. um you know so it was it was just like humanity going through with yeah. you know hearing somebody and then the doctor coming in and saying you realize your symptoms are because you drink too much and wow you know and then someone else had another story you know and so uh, it was kind of amazing, but the scariest parts were not so much when I thought about dying, because by the time I was in the room, I was sort of like, oh, I'm on IV antibiotics, they're taking care of me. There were scary moments because, you know, I mean, I was very, very lucky, and um, 
the system is such and the nature of communication is such that it it doesn't necessarily uh, build up your sense of resource. So, for example, they come in and say, well, the kind of bacteria you have really likes to go into your bones. So we've got to do a CAT scan. So it's terrifying. You know, yeah, but then yeah. they do the CAT scan and hadn't gone into my bones. Or the kind of bacteria you have really likes to go into your heart. So we have to do an echocardiogram. So I hadn't gone into my heart. Oh, wow. You know, but each time it was sort of presented like... I've s- you know, are you going to get? This is how I always feel at hospitals. Are you going to get your freedom pass renewed? Can I leave? Like, can yeah. I just go back into the happy bliss of outside of yeah. a hospital where you're just like, maybe I'll have a grilled cheese. Like, it's so much nicer out there. And then here, you have to. I had a, a, a brain scan, and they were they saw something. It ended up just being a smudge. But I had to go back, and I remember. I'm, as I'm sure you do, the adrenaline is activated, yeah. a memory is formed, it's really crystallized. Yeah. I remember being in a hotel in between the two appointments going like, is this it? Yeah. Is this when they yeah. say? Because I know at some point someone is going to say, or it might be sudden, but something's going to happen. So you kept having that, not only are you surrounded by realness, yeah. you're also experiencing your own. Yeah. Yeah. Hyper reality. Yeah, I mean, the scariest thing, honestly, was not even the thought of of dying. Although, um, you know, maybe if I had more accurate memory, it would it would be more acute. But it's like I was so spaced out for a while, and my brain just didn't come back. You know, mm. and I, I I thought, oh, you know, maybe that's it. No more writing. No more teaching. Mm. It's a different life. You know, I'm just gonna be. Mm. In some way, and it was really hard, you know, for yeah. me, it was really scary. And then um, I couldn't sleep on the hospital bed, so I was living in this armchair, this old rickety armchair that mm. was in the room. And it was so old, and my leg, my the infection had started in my leg, so once they put me on antibiotics, it's almost like it, and it started leaving the rest of my body, it went home to my leg, which blew up, like I had elephantiasis. Oh, you wow. Know? So then I had all this wound care, so I had to keep my leg... Elevated, so that meant both legs in the in the um, chair, and and uh, it was so old the chair that it, the bottom part kept falling down with my leg, you know. Oh no! And then one one day I was sort of I was in there and I was I, I spied like this little stool in the corner of the tiny little room, and I thought, oh, you know, if you take that stool and you put it underneath the bottom of the chair, it'll prop it up, and it won't yeah. be able to fall down. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my brain is back. Oh, wow. Look at that. The I little mean, victory. Yeah, yeah, I thought, it's back. I can think. No one else thought of it, you know? Yeah. And what's your excuse? <laughs> what, a clear, what a clear example of, like, there was the you that was noticing that your brain was gone and there was the you that was noticing yeah, yeah, that your brain was back yeah, and yeah. that person never changed. Yeah, yeah, that was exactly... Yeah. I was wondering too if like... I would imagine that there it is kind of like... There's a lot of different things to observe. Like it does seem like your body, it, it, whether it's your body or your lizard brain, like there is a survival... Mm-hmm part of you that will always be afraid of death like there's an actual yeah exactly there's like and i've heard nick turn kind of mention and maybe you could speak to more of the like buddhist uh view of that but he's he said something about um when you're sitting with the dying you're really just trying to usher them through that kind of like fear gate 
that is just going to happen Mm because that's what keeps us from not walking into the street right now. Like we have a will to live that will always be challenged by. You have to get through that membrane. Exactly. That's what I've been thinking about death. I was like, oh, maybe we could just get to a place where it's like, oh, that taking off a tight shoe and everything's fine. There's still a system just like my heart is beating and my lungs are breathing. There's still a system that's going to go like, no, our whole function, and I believe it's the lower part of the brain, is to keep us alive. So there's going to be a panic mm-hmm. that you have to just... Nick Turn also said it's like floating on a raft and going further and further away from shore into the ocean, which I always found to be a chilling thing. But he's like, that's the point, is it's chilling and you have to find... So that, that actually tied into what I was going to ask was, how did you find a way to not resist all these strange and weird things that were happening? or But also what Val said. Please go to what Val said. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that is true. I mean, maybe if you're a great, great, great Tibetan Lama or something like that, it is like taking off an old shoe or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that actually seems conceivable to me, but uh, I, not me. You know, <laughs> R.D. would tell stories like that. Yeah, of people sitting up and breathing three times, and I heard that he yeah. sat up. He sat up and breathed three times. And breathed three times. Yeah, which is yeah, what yeah. he would always teach. Yeah, yeah. Tell, that that he had a feeling that I believe it was his mother sat up and took three deep breaths and just passed away. And he was like, and that's what llamas would do, Tibetan llamas. And then he goes, it was one of my favorite, it's funny to call it a punchline, but it is. He goes, who was she? And remember Maharaji said, your, mo- your mother's a saint. He's like, a great saint. And, like, and he was like, my mother? <laughs> he's like, what are you talking about? Like, you should see her buying chicken or whatever. Like, she's not a saint. But who was she really? What was going on? And when I heard that story mm-hmm. about RD, I was very touched. Um, well, and there's also like, you know, um, in terms of Ramdas, like, I'm told that, uh, I don't know if I have my timing exactly right, but maybe before the Maui retreat, the last one you were at, he had some internal hemorrhaging or something like that was going on. And his doctor said something to him like, I can take you to the hospital and give you transfusions. And we'll see if it helps, you know. And or you can stay home. Yeah. Basically. And and he said, I want to go to the hospital. Hmm. You know, so whatever mechanism. Yeah. You know, but I think that changed after Maui. After that retreat. Yeah. And that he I don't know if he was given a choice or how explicit it was, but I think it was time, you yeah. know, and he knew it and he accepted it and when, Everyone said he was very peaceful. Oh, I'm ha- I don't know any details. I yeah. knew about the breathing. Breathe three times. Yeah. yeah, I knew about the breathing. But I wanted, I mean, something R.D. said to me. He goes, I want is the ego. So I'll tip a, tip the hat. I love my ego. He's a good guy. Um, he helps me out a lot. But I, I, I want those details. I have a sort of um, spiritual, materialistic sort of desire for the story of how he died. But that that's how it is with, all of these great teachers, because that's when it's like, it's the realest thing. When I talk to people that have dealt with serious suffering and when I hear these stories, I think we're weirdos in this way. I get so excited. Here's another way to put it. When Val was going in in labor, this is the realest thing that's ever happened to us. And I said, I think it's in my book. I hope it is. I said it was the opposite of looking at your phone. So is you lying in bed and hearing someone saying, you realize you're drinking too much and you're going to die. Like, I think we have this aversion to those things. And that's why I wanted to ask you about your experience, Mm -hmm. not for some 
There's, there's no clickbait here. Sharon Salzberg opens up about, you know, it's like. Well, they know. It's like, it's, I know, but it's like the realest stuff. It's, and, and RD shared that too, was he wanted to talk about death because it brought you and it snapped you into the immediacy of the moment. That's why I think it's our, our fascination with violence, like guns in movies. Guns are symbols in movies of like, well, this just got real. Like there's a thing dealing out life and death and it makes us go like this matters this is important and it, it, it engages us mm-hmm. i think this is why we love james bond i don't think this is why we know we love james bond but somewhere deep down we're going like this is helping me cope i mean look to halloween and horror movies for other examples mm-hmm. of this we want to be brought into that so i love talking to people about the i'm sure you share this mm-hmm. the 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 hard stuff because that's where it's the most real. Mm-hmm. We can take off the costumes a little bit. It's weird to fantasize about your the way your parents might open up as they age. I have that fantasy a little bit of just like, is there ever going to be like a... And they do cut the shit. They're honest people. They're lovely people. But like, how how real can we get? How real can we get? Can we just be two awarenesses instead of the the role of son and mother and son and father or brother and brother. It's just like, can we just be? And the Pete that threw up in the elevator or the Sharon that was waiting for a $65 chapstick, it's like the needle is right on the record. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like the trick is to bring that immediacy into the non-crisis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Gunger, one of my favorite bands and our good friends, they have a, a line where like it's like to live one day in love is better than a hundred years of fame. And that's exactly my point. You can have a billion dollars and go to the best restaurant in Rome. But if you're not there in the way that you are there, when you realize you're dreaming, mm-hmm. and you're like, look at the beads of, of water on the outside of my glass. And I'm feeling my breath. I mean, five minutes of that is better than I've been on a cruise in the Mediterranean. It was, it was horseshit. I hadn't learned how to be alive. Yeah. Nobody yeah. told me how to be alive. Yeah. It was just about the next thing. That's why I know I'm talking a lot, but that the Ramdas thing of like this ice cream is good, but as soon as the ice cream's gone, you want water. That's right. When you're done with yeah. the water, you want yeah. the bathroom. When, when you're done with the bathroom, yeah. you want TV. And when you're done with TV, you want sleep. And when you're done sleeping, you want coffee. It's just this endless game. And to opt out of it, mm-hmm. and I think this is why dying people have the phone in the drawer they have that advantage but this is what he, I, this isn't me saying this he ramdas and other teachers like you and jack have taught me that the immediacy of those situations that's why people tell life-changing stories of near-death experiences and stuff it's like or people with diagnosis uh, diagnoses terminal diagnoses go like don't you see how fragile this all mm-hmm. is we're a friend of mine uh, who went through a tragedy was talking about we're all stardust encased around souls. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It sounds like I do a lot of drugs, but the last time I microdosed LSD, I was in the park with my friend Botanical Gardens, and I was like, none of us care that we're all here together. <laughs> like, but I really knew that. I was like, we're all in this park at the same moment, and even as I say it, I can project people getting bored because it's such a stu- it seems so trite but it's like we're all here at the same time in the same mystery in the same dance with the same feelings you were saying everybody wants love mr rogers sings everybody wants peace we have these things that we want we're all as you say in the book 
we're all in the same subway car together. Yeah, yeah. Everything is interconnected. But we think I'm just over here trying to get ice cream. And we're all just, even when I don't have a, a roller bag, I'm trying to get on the plane first. And that's when I go, what the fuck am I doing? I don't even have a bag to get in the overhead, which is arguably the only reason to rush onto a plane. It's because you're worried about the overhead space. I'll give you that. <laughs> I just have a backpack and I'm like mad that someone cut in front of me because that, that separation creates so much suffering instead of thinking that we're all underwater or we're all in mm-hmm. some gelatinous thing or we're all just branches on the same tree. Those, those thought experiments help me tap into like, get fucking over yourself. The narcissism that I learned as an evangelical was like, it's about you. It's about what Pete does. Is he a good boy? Is he a nice boy? Is he never horny or mean? And if he's that, then he gets to go to paradise where he eats ambrosia. And I don't know what he does. He's with God who's still separate from him. He's over there and Mm -hmm. we bother him like the Wizard of Oz sometimes, I guess. That, That level of narcissism is what Buddhism, Hinduism, Ramdas, and also mystical Christianity has helped me get rid of. It's like, you think it's about you? I've said this before, but the first time I went and saw Ramdas, the whole time I was obsessed with don't jerk off. I'm, I'm not trying to be crass. I'm trying to be real. I was horny the whole time. And you, you know, you're in that little hermitage and it can't look anywhere without seeing a Hindu statue or a photo of Maharaji. So it's a holy place, right? So don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Second time I went, I'm proud to say because we had Leela, the narcissism is just calmed down. It's, it's tamped down. And it's like, that's what you think is going on here. Mm-hmm. What a Western modern mm-hmm. self-involved lie that I was just like, it's about me. And this is a test as opposed to, we're all fish in the same water and I just cut in front of myself in line, right? I mean, that's Christ mm-hmm. on the cross mm-hmm. not screaming at his enemies. He's just like, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just one thing thinging itself. Mm-hmm. And that's Mary at the foot of the cross standing, not, this is ca- classic Catholic imagery. She's standing and f- owning the pain instead of transmitting it to other people. She's just letting it end with her honoring it, but not not sharing it, not doing what we do. I'm angry, so I'm going to hurt you. I'm an alcoholic, so I'm going to abuse you. So you grow up and be an alcoholic and abuse the next generation. I just preached. I'm done. It's okay. Well, what I saw in the hospital, which was really interesting, is just like you said, those moments of crisis feed our ordinary day. But what I really saw... You know, which is what I was just describing, is that our ordinary day feeds those moments of crisis too. You know, mm. and that my hourly, you know, my my ordinary practice, like every day, even if it's boring, even if it feels like nothing's happening, you know, it's like that's what carried me wow. in in those moments, you know, of crisis and the so-called bad ones. Yeah, the bad ones, the the you know, ones that seem to go nowhere. You know, the the kind of routine, you know, sittings. It's like, oh, all of that was doing something. Yeah. So that, sort yeah. Of, sort of like the priming. It's like, I don't need to understand that hearing the word patience in the morning right. might make me more patient. Yeah. Something, something, you might call it grace. Something is happening despite myself. Yes, that's right. And being willing and patient, it, that's another Richard Rohr thing, is so much better than 
knowing and understanding and being a master. It's like humility and patience. So you going through those bad, again, not to call them bad, but that's how we perceive them. We go, yeah, that was a bad meditation. Yeah, it was a bad meditation. It wasn't good enough. It was like. But those were the ones that you felt carrying you. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do? You're you're physically discomfort, uh, uncomfortable. You're drugged. You got a chair that keeps falling over. I mean, you need yeah. everything you can get, and it was yeah. those ones, and it was there. Yeah. It's so interesting because well, maybe this is like unromantic, but I feel like I feel like the beautiful thing about meditation and pr- mindfulness practice is that it's something where, like, it yes, sure, it's it has a spiritual element to it, but there's also like science it's one of the rare the few things where science and spirituality agree and my therapist who i will have to leave soon to go see actually would say like you have over the years programmed your nervous system just for that exact thing so when your nervous system experienced any dysregulation it was like oh we actually we know what to do. We here. know what to do. Yeah. yeah, which leads me to my question that I was wanting to ask because there's kind of this through line between what you went through. You mentioned my labor, and even like throwing up in the elevator. Where I wonder if you could speak a little bit to like the role of the body. Like if your Eckhart Tolle has a really great quote that really kind of was a a small paradigm shift for me, where he said, you know, even like great masters have tried to find it it by leaving the body but they've all found that you have to go through the body and being in labor really (laughs) pulled me into my body in a way that i i have remained embodied in in a brand new way and a lot of things have fallen into place because of that so i was just wondering if this experience kind of had an impact on your relationship with your body or yeah i mean i think definitely and and uh and it's not just the physical body although it's definitely that but it's uh energy Mm -hmm. and like one of the funny experiences i had in the hospital which i took on as a mantra was the first time i got up to walk i was using a walker you Mm -hmm. know i was very weak and as you know, they send you up and down the corridor, you know. With, mm-hmm. So I was using this walker, and I had a physical therapist with me. And at one point she said to me, it's not a race, you know. Oh. She said, you'll get further if you just stop now and then wow. and relax. And I realized, oh, she's totally right. And that became my new mantra. It's not a race, you know. Right. Because, you know, not only did I have the time in the hospital, I had when – um I was sort of getting ready to leave the hospital. I was still on IV antibiotics, and nobody knew for how long Mm. that was going to be. And uh, it turned out to be just two weeks, but it could have been two months, you know. And and the doctor said to me, it's illegal to prescribe anything IV across state lines. You've got to stay in California. And then she said, "Um, you have a choice. You can either go into a skilled nursing home, which she described as a really, you know, not very palatable alternative, Mm. or you can figure something else out. And my friends were like, tremendous. I described myself as like the house guest from hell. It's like, oh, let's take her away in an ambulance one night, you know? (laughs) And and they said, come back. Just come back. And a really generous friend wrote just then and said, let me hire a nurse for you, you know? Mm. So, uh, all these conditions came together for me to go back. And then 
you know, I was getting stronger and I could walk with a walker and then I could walk with a cane. And then I could, mm-hmm. when I left the hospital, I couldn't walk at all again because one of the medications had given me gout and oh, it was too painful boy. to walk. So I regressed. And then, anyway, so. Um, the master class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not really. Believe me, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. And then, uh, so I, had, I ended up staying in California in these friends' house for two months and um, learning it's not a race. Take care of your body. Yeah. I had to cancel all these things, which, you know, it was <laughs> my friends say when I was still in, I guess when I was first in ICU and I was like raving. Mm. Um, uh, I was supposed to go to Mexico actually that week. I was going to fly back to the East Coast the day after I ended up in the hospital and then go to Mexico in the middle of the week. And then I was supposed to be in Jordan uh, oh. in a few weeks. And then I was supposed to be in, uh, I think, Paris after that. And Wow. And I was saying something like... Um, well, you know, I, I don't think I'll make it to Jordan, but I should be able to make it to Paris in a few weeks. And they looked at each other and said, she's gonzo, you know? Wow. It's like, and so I really had to realize, oh, no, you can't live that way. You can't, like, yeah. do that anymore. You can't just push yourself. Right. You can't just extend all that energy. You know, you have to take care of yourself. You have to rest. Yeah. You have to take some breaks. And yeah. so, you know, I just canceled everything. And that's when I wrote, a lot of the book, you know, it's like, wow. I've never written a book where it was like stable. I, I always like, oh, I have like 15 minutes, you know, uh-huh. before the flight goes, let me write, you know, or something wow. like that. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm here. And how am I going to live? And how am I going to manifest? And, mm, you know, right. and serve? How am I going to, you know, offer something to people? It's like, I'm actually going to write this, you know, and, and write it fully and be in a different way. And so it was all kind of wow. tied together. And yeah, right. know, things have to change. And yeah, that's so interesting. I love, I love, it's not a race, because even in that moment, it is like loving kindness towards your body yeah, specifically, yeah, yeah. being like, <laughs> there's, and I would imagine there's so much potential for being like, my body betrayed me. It it did this thing that I didn't want. So angry, so resentful. Yeah. I, I I mean, you could have. You you got to meet some of people in my family. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so. It's what a pleasure to be betrayed. That you have this thing. You have this problem, yeah. and you exist. Your resistance to the problem makes you real. Yeah. So many people I know, and I've been that way as well. Maybe I will be that way again. I don't know. It's it's tempting to go like, this sucks. This sucks. This yeah. sucks. But then also I'm just thinking of like, I love everything you say always about like beginning again and like how that is just, that's the practice is beginning again. And you're like literally learning to walk again. It's the ultimate beginning again. And to have, to be able to nurture your body by saying like, take your time. This is not, you can do this on your own time. Like it's just, it gives me goosebumps to like, think about loving your body in that way and when it like needs love the most because it I feel like so many people probably go through like physical therapy and things like that being like I know how to do this I should know how to do this you know and that just that's resistance and that doesn't get you anywhere that happened today in a very very small way I took Leela for a walk and I was, we went and got a coffee and then we were, I was like, am I going to go on this walk? There's like a, I don't know if it's a mile, but there's a little walk that we go on. 
And I started thinking about that point in the walk where I usually get tired. And I was just like, how about just this part? What I mean is this isn't just like woo-woo thought experiments. I, literally today I was like, I thought of Mr. Rogers, and they said he swam a mile every morning. And the journalist that wrote about it was like, he watched him do it. And he was like, it was like the most unhurried mile I've ever seen. This was not like a Tom Cruise <laughs> Mission Impossible mile. This was a guy feeling water on his skin and being alive and feeling his breath and all that. And I was just like, just, just this step. I'm not trying to say it's the exact same thing, obviously, as what you went through. But it was a very this morning real world we're always throwing our hat down the way and going, how am I going to feel over there? You don't know. The walk was fine. But so much suffering in my life comes from like, you had it this morning. You woke up and you're like, I don't know if I want to go to dance class. You did go. But we go, well, maybe I'll get tired in the middle of it or whatever. Mine was a, a leisurely walk. That's my dance class. <laughs> a very slow walk. What, what were the questions, my love, that you had? Because you just did Nick Turn's class. Is there anything you wanted to bounce off, Sharon? Because Val is a licensed Nickturn. <laughs> what is it? Uh, mindfulness. What? What do you mean? That's what I do. Yeah, mindfulness meditation teacher. I but didn't know if there was anything. um, I mean, sure. There's plenty of things to talk about that. If you maybe you could speak to you know, because mindfulness is such a tricky. It's such a big word, and it gets used to describe a lot of different things. And there's mindful eating and mindful mm-hmm. parenting, and mm-hmm. you know. So maybe just the seed of like the beginning of mindfulness. And also I'm curious if you started with that, because I know you are a big loving kindness Mm -hmm. person, which I just found out actually through listening to your podcast that you started that way because you were afraid of um, public speaking as far as teaching. Yeah. 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 So it's that's very interesting. Yeah. 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 Tell Pete about that. I Yeah. Couldn't do it. The first retreat, Joseph and I, Joseph Goldstein and I were invited to teach in this country. It was a month-long retreat in 1974 in a sequoia somewhere. And so the format of our retreats is that um, there's practice and questions and answers and teacher contact and all this stuff during the day. There's only one lecture, mm. which is at night, uh, usually for like 45 minutes or an hour. And it was a, it was a month long retreat, and I couldn't give a single talk because I was too terrified. So Joseph had to give all the talks, and people were going up and yelling at him, like, "Why won't you let her have a voice? Why won't you let her say anything?" And he'd say, "I'd be delighted. Talk to her, you know." Like, but I was too scared. But it's true. Now I did start with mindfulness. Um, Goenka was my first teacher, so that's really mindfulness of the body, first breath, and then body, and. Um, these days we'd call it body scan, which is what John Kabat-Zinn had popularized it as. But I was going to say Eckhart Tolle teaches that as yeah. well, and he, he says it's very healing. <laughs> yeah, it and is very healing. As a practical thing, as people are like, sometimes it takes a long time to fall asleep. Nothing better than just going like, just feel your feet, feel your toes, and feel your feet, then feel your shins, and feel your knees, yeah. Yeah, feel yeah. your thighs, feel your hips, feel your stomach. Go all the way up. First of all, if you fall asleep, you win, and if you don't. I started doing that on my second retreat. Uh, I'd just lay on the couch and do that. And you feel like a light bulb or something. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's insanely yeah. exciting. And we go around ignoring our body so much. And if you bring some mindfulness to it, you're like, you feel like a kid. You're like, I have one of these. Yeah. And you, it's so yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Go on. So Goenka uh, taught his format was like an intensive 10 day retreat. And, um, 
at the very end, uh, almost as a kind of ceremonial way of saying goodbye, he did a little loving kindness. So that was the first time I heard of it. You know, it was uh, my first retreat was January, began January seventh, nineteen seventy one. That's where I met Ramdas and Krishna Das and wow. all these people and um, Joseph. And uh, so it was right at the end there that I heard about it, but I didn't really uh, have a teacher that emphasized that or mm-hmm. have an intensive retreat in a structured way doing it until 85 when I went to Burma for a three-month retreat and did just loving kindness. So um, mindfulness has really been the foundation in, in a lot of ways, and um, it does mean a lot of different things. I don't know how David Nick Turn um, defined it, but um, one understanding of mindfulness would be a quality of awareness where our perception of what's happening in the present moment is not so distorted by bias of some kind. So like a a classic example would be like you feel pain in your body or you feel heartache Mm -hmm. or disappointment. And right away you start thinking, what's it going to feel like tomorrow? Mm -hmm. What's it going to feel like next week? So we're adding all of that future anticipation Mm -hmm. on top of what's actually happening right now. And, and, And it distorts it, you know, whereas if we can catch those things, which will arise, but if we can let go of them and just be with the actual experience, that's the practice of mindfulness. And so um, we say, like, you, mindfulness can go anywhere. It's not just being with the breath. It can be with anything that's going on because it's all about relationship. Like, how am I relating to this thing? So mm-hmm. I would say that um, a lot of the kind of popular uses of mindfulness are really about enjoying your life more. It's about inhabiting your life more, like Mm -hmm. drink that cup of tea and taste it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, which is really great. The the really classical uh, benefit of mindfulness, it's like they appreciate all that, Mm -hmm. but it's not just inhabiting your life, it's understanding your life. It's like looking at those patterns, you know, seeing the longing, seeing the consequence of like continual longing. The ice cream. Yeah, you know, looking at the thing you always thought was stupid, like love mm. or compassion. Is it really that stupid? Mm. Or look at the thing you always thought or were taught was strong, mm-hmm. like revenge. Mm-hmm. Is it really that strong? Mm. You know, and so we get a chance to observe because we're not so caught in all those stories. It's like we go, oh, what is it really? What does it feel like? Mm on my 80th hour of thinking about that person and what they did, you know? Mm-hmm. What does it really feel like? What's my experience? Right. And where did you get the narrative to? Something we say on the show a lot is like, okay, follow your dream, but whose dream was it? That's right. And you That's get right. it when you start watching movies, and I like movies, but you can watch them with mindfulness, and you're like, oh, wow, we have a cultural identity that is so thick that we don't even know that we yeah, have it. That's right. So punching and winning and sex and food and sleep and being the best and being well thought of is so ingrained in us that we don't even know. Like Ramda says, is meeting your needs making you any happier than not meeting them? And that is, that's almost like a koan for me. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like play it out is something yeah, people yeah. might say. Can you sit in the, in the blackout in yeah. your hotel and just go like, this this is enough. Yeah, yeah. And 
we're such a consumer society that of course it's just like no you should you should buy this next thing yeah. and then and then you'll be enough what is the difference between i have a, a sense but maybe um people listening and i'd love a refresher too the difference between mindfulness and loving kindness well i mean there as qualities of the one's being they're very related you know and they're very supportive but they're actually different methods of meditation you know where one like mindfulness practices really emphasize um purifying one's ability to observe you know like whatever you're looking at you can see it in a cleaner clearer way because mm-hmm. you're not involved in all those add-ons mm-hmm. you know um, my therapist calls them pop-ups pop-ups is good Isn't that good remember That's pop-up good. ads yeah. we used to have pop-up blockers if so many val knows this i am a clever person and eckhart tolle says like he sort of poo-poos being clever almost like an affliction mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm like i know what he means being in a relationship with Val has helped me see because I can talk to her honestly. I can share my ugly thoughts, my repetitive thoughts, whatever it might be. And I'm just like, we'll, we'll be on a walk. And I'll go, what did you think when you saw that person walk by? And Val will share her side of it. And I'm like, I was like, well, he probably smokes pot. He probably thinks he's sexy. He looks kind of d- dumb. Like, I, I, that's, what, that's what I do for a living is I evaluate and then I compare. So, like, I have it... If it's bad, which it sort of is, it can be, it's bad and good. But if it's bad, I have it worse than most people. And that is my talent. People like it. People, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Some people want to hear my comparisons. But it is literally what I'm trying to extricate, to use Ram Dass's word, I'm trying to extricate myself to go like, what is really going on? Mm-hmm. Can I see past? He would say I'm looking at level one. I see a man, a handsome man, uh, kind of like a, there's a casual sloppiness to him that makes me think he smokes pot. There's something in his eyes that make me think he's not very astute. Whatever it might be, fucking stop it. Like he's like next level. He goes into the astral kind of like what, what his astronomy might be, what his personality might be. And then he's like, but what is his, his spirit? What mm-hmm. is the part of him that is me? Mm-hmm. But I am so stuck. For someone who knows all of this, I'm so stuck in that first place. So mindfulness, very appealing to me. I call it open. I, I say to Val, I go, my heart is very open today, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. meaning I'm not going like, look at that guy. He looks like a, right. a gym. Right. I bet your name's Jim. Like my, my thinking gets so exaggerated that yeah. I'll want to guess people's yeah. names. I'll want to yeah. guess their parents' names. I want to tell them their favorite movie. It's like, it's this weird. And then my open heartedness comes from like what I felt in the park where I was like, we're all here together. Mm-hmm. Am I really so fooled by our meat puppets that I can't see the the underlying energy? Mm-hmm. You were talking about science and spirit don't agree. They do agree. Because of Einstein, we understand panentheism, the, the, the one universal constant being energy within everything, mm-hmm. even in, mm-hmm. in empty mm-hmm. space and dark matter and all this stuff. I was like, don't you see that? Am I so... I'm in the movie and I'm so lost in the movie that I'm like, that's a good guy. That's a bad guy. Good guys won. And I ate my popcorn. Isn't there something better to do? Yeah. Well, that's, that sort of brings me to loving kindness, which and I have to study up priming because it was interesting, you know, after you said that, but uh, compared to if mindfulness is really about being able to um, be with our experience in a clearer way, mm-hmm. Uh, loving kindness, I, I usually describe as a stretch. You know, it's mm. like saying, okay, my attention tends to go here, 
what's it like when I pay attention here mm. or from this angle instead? And so some people feel a little squeamish about it because it feels like they're moving from a true place to a phony place, but we're not. We're moving from mm. a true place perhaps perhaps to another true place that doesn't get a lot of airtime. You mm. know, so mm-hmm. if you're usually only thinking about what's wrong with you and um you know the mistakes you made, what about when you wish yourself well? Yeah. Or you're only thinking about what you don't have. What about when you practice some gratitude? Yeah. Or you've categorized that person like you're a loser. <laughs> and you realize that, and instead you say, well, you know what? I don't even know him. May you be happy. Or everybody wants to be happy. Mm-hmm. You and me both may you be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like this big experiment yep. in attention. And so it it involves more intentionality. It, it involves, you could say, more effort, but yeah. it's not like hard effort. Like, I've got to feel like I love everybody. Um, but it's more like saying, what happens when I switch gears? Yeah, like curious effort. Yeah. And also I feel like there's an element, you know, in between a bridge between mindfulness and loving kindness where you're kind of having compassion for your patterns. So your mindfulness is you are observing and you're being curious and noticing mental patterns like I I am very judgmental towards everybody I see on the street. And then be, instead of being like, what the fuck is wrong with me that I'm so judgmental? This is something, again, maybe she's just on my mind because I'm about to see her. But my therapist really taught me to be like, you just talk to your mind like, yeah, you're trying to make sense of this big, scary world. Like, thank you for trying to. It's going, are you safe? Yeah. It's a perversion of are you safe? Mm-hmm. In the same way that sometimes I, I'll eat all the food in a mini bar, that's a perversion of the survival mechanism that goes, you need to eat or you'll die. And then it gets exaggerated into eat Twizzlers. I don't even like Twizzlers. <laughs> yeah. It's a garbage candy and I ate the whole pack of Twizzlers. This is a real story. <laughs> it just happened. Yeah. But that if you think, I mean, there's so many parallels garbage with candy. parenting or with having a puppy or something like that. But it's like... If Leela is throwing a fit because we're taking the phone away, we're not going to just like then add on to that by being mad at her for throwing a fit. And then everybody's all mad and resisting the Mm -hmm. situation. You're just creating a spaciousness around the feeling of being upset over loss, which is something we all have. Mm -hmm. You said that too about my thoughts. Remember you said they're not even yours. Make that point. Yeah. uh, I mean, Eckhart Tolle, again, says, and I don't know, maybe he's quoting people, but it's like, really, it's more like thinking is happening to you. Just like your heart is beating and your lungs are breathing. Your mind is creative and Mm -hmm. it will continue to have thoughts. And that was a really big shift for me, too, because I was that really shined a light on the fact that I was seeing my mind as the obstacle that was in the way of me getting everything I wanted. Like I was like, there is this way that I should be, which is just like ohm and clear mind. And my mind just keeps chiming in and keeping me from being there. And that was just, I think a very common, but uh, you know, a big misunderstanding of the whole mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. So in that way, mindfulness, mindfulness, like your mind is a part of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just kind of, watching it all happen as opposed to 
resisting and trying to clear. That was like mm-hmm. a very big distinction that Nick Turn made it is like, we're not trying to clear our minds. Mm-hmm. Who can, I mean, who can do that? Especially mm-hmm. in the beginning. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of like one of the biggest misconceptions I think people have about what meditation practice is for. And they're all always saying like, Oh, I tried that once I failed at it. And he said, why do you think you failed at it? Well, cause I couldn't clear my mind. I couldn't keep thoughts from coming up. I couldn't have only beautiful thoughts, whatever it might be. And that that was uh, so Richard Rohr, who I love. Do you know Richard at all? Not yet. I love Richard Rohr, and he said that if he had said to his Franciscan teachers when he was young, in the seventies or whatever, I'm not going to resist my thoughts, meaning I'm not going to identify with them. They're just going to be going by, and I'm not going to make them super personal and judge and get in that spiral of. I had the thought of, we talk about this all the time, you have the weirdest, darkest thoughts. Val and I could be standing at the Grand Canyon, and I love Val more than I love myself, and I'll think about pushing her off. It's just like, obviously, I don't even like saying that, but you have these flare-ups. It's so hard to come up with good examples of unwanted thoughts, because I feel guilty as soon as I say that. But you're like, it happened, then you have shame, you're like, what kind of fucking person? As opposed to what you said, it was like, it's not even me. It's this mechanism that goes, well, don't do that. And part of the don't do that is fantasizing what would happen if you do that, which is also just kind of, again, in the same way that I ate the Twizzlers, it's going like, it's a perversion of a natural thing to keep me safe and functioning in this world. But I think it's me. And the old Christian ethic would be, I had a bad thought. I am a bad person. God was a lifeguard blowing the whistle every time I thought about an ass. Like, what the, what, what? And he said, Richard said that his teacher would have thought, like, you're just going to entertain every lustful and vengeful and envious thought. And it's like, if by entertain you mean I'm going to let them happen and go, it's the, it's the greatest thing. It's taken me such a long time to, when I'm meditating or when I'm sitting here with you, have the nasty thought and just let it go by is so much better than engaging with it by going, what a bad thought. I'm a bad person. You just spent 45 minutes with it instead of seeing it as it was, which is a bad smell on the air or just like a weird smell instead of going like, well, I have to find that smell and go smell it for 45 minutes. Just going like, it's what happens. Sometimes I'm offended. Sometimes I'm angry. Sometimes I'm jealous. I'm often comparing everybody to everything. And then when I can just go, and here I am, it all goes away. Yeah. It's, yeah. Isn't that insane? Instead of going like, bad, I just go, there it is. I just thought about punching my dad in the face. Okay. Ah, so it's what's happening. That's, that's one right. of our mantras. It's what's happening. Yeah, that's your great. brain tossed that to you. That's great. Well, that's a really crucial change, you know, because as you know, and you know, we're not taught to just say, "Oh, yeah, that's what's happening," because we think we are our thoughts. Yeah, and it's bad. You know, it's yeah. just like bad news. Which is just more thoughts. <laughs> what else could you be but your thoughts? I was trying. I, I saw my thoughts as the garden and I was trying to trim and prune and have it be something that God could walk through and go, a good boy lives here. And now I'm just like, my garden is, if it's my thoughts, it's one of the most fucked up places in the world. (laughs) There's some gorgeous stuff that I'd be so proud to show you. But if you want a swamp, 
it's as murky and disgusting as, as anything. And that's why I think it's so weird that we we see in, in con- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just I'm getting this Are visual image of a swamp. Yes. Some Twizzlers sticking yeah. out here and there and who knows what else. <laughs> but to your point, Sharon, you were like you had that childhood that wouldn't yeah. allow for yeah, yeah. it. And in my own way, not in the same way, but in my own way, I felt all this shame. And then those things fester and grow. Yeah. Alan yeah. Watts makes that point where it's like water. And water, when it's sitting still, is when it becomes a swamp. And if I can just keep it flowing, it's like, it's what happened. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But we don't have any soul awareness, to use Ramdas's mm-hmm. term. We don't have any witness awareness. Yeah, I'm the right. witnessing presence that that's saw right. the thought yeah. that I yeah. pushed Valerie off the Grand yeah, Canyon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, We only have... What do you think? And what do you think over and over and over? And we call those beliefs. The things that we think over and over and over and reinforce. Yeah. yeah. Which, is, which is nuts. But obviously, beliefs do have a, a value because we're talking about priming and loving, loving kindness. But I, I, that, what is the Buddhist prayer? It's like, may you be happy. May you be... Yeah. I mean, you could say it lots of different ways. But may you be safe. May you be happy. Yeah. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. Or may mm. you be free of suffering. May you be peaceful. Mm. It's it, it's sort of like gift giving. It's offering, like sometimes because it's usually phrased that way. May I? May you? People say to me, "Well, who are you? Who am I asking?" Say, so mm. we're not asking anybody. We're offering. Mm. It's like giving a blessing. You know, you hand someone a birthday card and you say, "May you have a great year. Mm. May you be happy. May you be peaceful." Mm. That brought to mind another Richie Rohr thing too, where it's so we think that we're if I'm pruning my garden that God might walk through it. The way that Richard shifted my perception was he's like, it's again a child thing. Having a baby has been so incredible for us. Your baby gives you a drawing and you put it on the fridge. And it's not good, objectively, but it's the best thing you've ever seen. Yeah. So it's the effort, it's the openness, it's the willingness, and the giving is the point. Isn't that? Yeah. I mean, that just clicked it for me. I was like, I thought I had to give God a masterpiece and be like, Look, I wasn't just down here thinking about asses. I painted this for you. And God would go, it's pretty good. <laughs> like, you can, come, you can come be with me. Uh, and that separation. Unless your God is more like, I don't know, <laughs> comic, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Know, uh, and Jewish. Meh. <laughs> yeah, Old Testament God would be like, eh. I don't know, you know. I've seen better. Ramdas had some of that. Uh, rascality. I remember I, I, oh, wow. Time is flying. I, um, we just get a note when it's been 90 minutes. Can you believe it's been 90 minutes? I can't believe it. That's another thing. I bet that two hours in the dark went by so fast. You can time travel yeah, yeah. through non resistance and you see what a construct time is. And that's why one of the weird things about doing this show is there is like a magic to it that you can go if we concede concede Mm -hmm. to be together and be present and remember death remember suffering remember the cosmos Mm -hmm. time belongs in line at the tsa like time Mm -hmm. belongs when you're waiting for that pizza you ordered to arrive but it goes away so what was it what is the story we're telling ourselves it's so much more slippery we make it real. We make it real. And we can make other things real. Mm-hmm. 
Very exciting. Speaking of, it's time for me to go, sadly. Sweet love, did you have any other last thing? Uh, I was going to say, if you, it might be too personal or there might be um, reasons why you don't want to share it, but like you mentioned your daily practice. Do you, are you public with what that is? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm very curious. <laughs> um, well, I'm a great believer in daily practice. You know, I think it's, and partly it's like going through an experience like I had a year ago, you know, where I see, oh, look at that. It counted. It mm-hmm. meant something. Mm-hmm. Even when you think, oh, this is so stupid, you know, I could be sleeping. Um, the difference. <laughs> yeah. I could be sleeping. So, but I, you know, so I do practice every day. I, mm-hmm. I uh, These days my practice is really like a, a mindfulness practice or an awareness practice. Okay. And I have also a commitment to tried i have a resolve to try to do loving kindness whenever i'm waiting mm. so i can every mode of transportation is waiting like uh, airplanes cars you know walking down the street yes uh or just waiting in line or, yeah yeah yeah. yeah it was 45 minutes and did wow. you do loving yeah kindness? yeah wow. i mean not maybe continuously but then i remembered oh yeah this is what this is what i want to do and yeah um wow i love that you know because those are the times when you're either looking at your phone, which you're not really interested in, you know, right. You're just passing the time or, mm-hmm. uh, fretting about something. And, and it was, it's kind of fun, you know, like, especially walking. Cause, mm. um, you know, you don't know who's going to come by. You don't know if you're going to hear a dog. You don't know, you know, mm. what form of life is, is going to come mm. upon you. Uh, but even here, you know, driving by these different neighborhoods and mm. saying, oh, yeah, may you be happy. And mm-hmm. oh, this is a different kind of place, you know, or uh, this switched, you know, something changed. And yeah, like, may you be happy. Wow. <coughs> wow. And there's always the driver, you know. Oh, like, yeah. Wow. I'm always, may you turn off the radio, may you slow down. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is, I was going to say, I'm always amazed by how observant you are while you're driving. Like you're noticing who everybody who's on their phone and what is going on. We realize being together that Val doesn't look in cars. And I look in cars. I think it maybe is because I lived in New York for seven years. I'm very used to crossing the street. Uh, this is the good part of it. I look in to see if they're looking at me when I'm crossing in front of them. But that has, again, Twizzlers, it's perverted into like a hyper, almost Sherlock Holmesian. Like, I'll be like, did you notice he was a Scientologist? And it's like, what? And it's like, well, he had the keychain with the, with the S on it. And that's all fine. It serves me until it doesn't. It's, almost, it's like alcohol. I don't drink anymore because... But people that stop drinking often say it's good until it's not. That's me in a nutshell. It's like it's great. But did I really need to know he was a Scientologist? <laughs> did I really need to? You got to go, my love. Yeah, or can you cap it all with some loving kindness? Like, oh, he's a Scientologist. Maybe yes. be happy. Exactly. Yeah, I know. You're already doing the mindfulness part, the observing. And <laughs> no. Now just, it's like you said, you're, you're intentional about Mama, I wish you were staying. I know. I hate to leave. It's so good to, so see, good to you. see you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Val. Thank you for joining us. May you be happy. What's funny about Val is with no, no, no. I have no struggle with her. So talk about devotion. My the way that I love God is Valerie and the baby, which seems awfully convenient. I guess the critical mind might be like, well, that's convenient. But I'm like, (laughs) the way that I struggle to love others. One of the ways that I trick myself is I go, if Val did that, how would I feel? Like if they were 
a little too, I don't know, loud in a restaurant. If I go, that's Val. We have a neighbor who plays the drums. And what I do is I pretend, not that it's Val, but that it's um, my friend Rob's son plays the drums. And I'll pretend that it's him. And what? Like, if it's a stranger, I can vilify them. But if it's somebody I know, but that's a way of trying to get at. Yeah, well, there are lots of ways and they're all good. You know, like, um, I've been doing more um, work, more teaching these days and communities affected by gun violence and um this friend of mine told me a story about one of the dads who lost his son in mm. one of the school shootings uh someone she got very close to and uh he went back to work after like a year and he i don't even remember exactly what he did something to do with wine in a restaurant mm. you know and she went she and her husband went and were you know like part of the restaurant that night his first day back and she said it was the most amazing thing because she said you just look at him and you'd never know Hmm. that there he was he was talking to people he was you know chatting he was helping them have a pleasant evening and she said you never know that maybe his first day back after a year of of intense mourning and she she just started looking at everybody thinking i don't know i just don't know it's like you don't you never know Everybody's carrying an unseen burden. Yeah. It's actually something I believe that's written, maybe not verbatim. Again, Richard Rohr keeps coming up, but it's written on his door. It's like, don't forget everybody's carrying an unseen burden. And I was with my friend Kurt, and Kurt was telling me, he was like, I'm so impressed by all people. And when he looks at them, he's like, what have they gone through? And you can see that this changes. People need stories in one of the ways we need stories is like to empathize with issues. Like if Mm -hmm. you, if you talk about priming, you have a conversation with somebody who uh, lost somebody to a school shooting and then pulled them on gun control. It's it's different or abortion or any issue. If there's a humanizing element Mm -hmm. and it, and you're right, it's not a hard effort. It just takes a little bit of that. It I just need to go like, if this was Val, I would actually think this was really funny. Yeah, but I'm I'm very I, I'm very fortunate that with Val it's it just happens naturally. I have to think that's how Ramdas felt about Maharaji. Yeah, I I, yeah. I don't want to trivialize that, but I feel that sort of effortless everything she does is just okay with me. All Even right. if it's the like the worst thing, I'm like it's, it was it was Val, and that is grace. That's not effort. I don't know what's going yeah, on. It, yeah. it feels very yeah. supernatural to me. And how old is your baby now? We don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's 16 months. Whoa, that's a yeah. good age. Yeah, it's super fun. You'll was she napping? You, yeah, she was napping. napping. You'll obviously see her when we get out. Yeah, but to get to get out of myself, it was very helpful to have another person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Christ was always likening to god to a, a, a father we we turn that into like an angry father like mm-hmm. a like a drunk dad to be honest but christ has all these images of god that are very groovy i don't know how else to say it one of them is he puts on an apron and waits on you mm-hmm. like it's insane like how did we get from that to like he wants to kick you into a furnace i, mm-hmm. I don't understand mm-hmm. i do understand actually because it's uh, narcissism and its clan and tribalism mm-hmm, and all these things. Mm-hmm. I, I had a question for you. I wonder if we talked about it last time, but when we talk about, there's all these wonderful practical things we're driving around. 
we're giving loving kindness, we're working on how we interpret the world. What is your big, big picture? If I said, why? <laughs> why evolve? Why grow? Why any of this? I know what Ramdas would say, but I'm wondering what... Well, what would Ramdas say? Ramdas would say that we are a, a program, a, a, a soul that took an incarnation, and in that incarnation it had a personality, it had a psychology, and it was part of the... The void became the one, the one became the many, and in the game that the many are playing is a game of hide-and-go-seek, is what mm-hmm. Alan Watts would say. Mm-hmm. We're, we're Because we wanted to learn and play, we forgot, and then it's a game about remembering. So mm-hmm. he sort of had the enlightenment model. We're going to go around and around and around and around until one day we just go like, boy, what a show. It was mm-hmm. horrible. It was mm-hmm. beautiful. It was all this. So that was, that was one of the ways that I've heard him describe. And to be honest, that's sort of my belief. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we named Leela Leela. I was like, it's just a dance. It's just play. Yeah, yeah. And it's, there's no one in the other boat, as Ramdas would say. I'm wondering how much of that you share or, or do you not – another – Obviously, any answer is fine, but that's none of your business. Feels very Buddhist to say, like, wh- no, no, what? No, no. no, I don't mean you share in your perspective. I feel like when they said to Buddha, "What happens when you die?" He said, yeah. "What business is that yeah. of yours?" So I'm wondering, how do you interpret that mystery? Well, they say, you know, he said that, or he was silent. The Buddha was silent with some questions because, um, as they phrase it, you know, he lived in disputatious times. People just like to argue. Mm. about points of view and he thought it was useless that uh it wasn't you know, we about... live in disputatious yeah times. i know yes. that's why it's so cute yes. you know like and, and he said the most basically the most important thing is your own practice and if you're just gonna spout off on these theories and argue with one another no one's gonna practice and so that's not the point oh interesting so he wouldn't answer you know like how did the universe begin or you know all these questions he just right. was silent and right um which was very clever, I think. Mm. It was really very smart. Well, I mean, I, I heard your question on two different levels. That's why I wanted to hear what Ramdas had said, because there's a certain level, maybe it's because I was working on that book, you know, which is a lot about social change and it's about the world, you know, that part of my answer would be because the world could look different, you know, and... Mm. Uh, there could be more love. There could be more connection. There could be more respect for one another. And um, that would all reflect something that's true, which is that our lives are interconnected. Mm. <clears throat> you know, it's not just like a, a spiritual veneer on top of a cauldron of hate or something like it's that. It's like a mass awakening. Yeah. It's like we're all together. It's one yeah. thing. Let's. Yeah, and any one person, as they as we change, has an effect on our little world around us, like mm. three feet, you know, mm-hmm. we can always affect somebody and that begins to grow. And, and, uh, you were mentioning in the book that you see that even with like, uh, ecological crises, like yeah. they're, they're cause and effect of everything. Yeah. So there's, when I read that, I was like, it's very empowering. You can think like, why be nice to this receptionist mm-hmm. at the hospital? Mm-hmm. But you're like, or, I'm changing everything by yeah, this chain that's of events. Right. Yeah. That's right. I, when I was down in Florida in Parkland um, mm. uh, just a few months ago, uh, I taught a day with John Kabat-Zinn and um, uh, amongst other things. But 
you know, we did this day, and so the people there really wanted to hear um, how we'd each gotten into meditation practice. You know, so I told my story, and then John told the story. Now, I think John is responsible for a great deal of what we call the mindfulness movement. You know, he's the one who really... I haven't heard his name before, yeah. I mean, like John Kabat-Zinn, mm-hmm. Kabat, K-A-B-A-T, dash Z-I-N-N. Oh, I don't so like that. So he, uh, he founded Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. And, oh, okay. And he um, he actually was sitting at my center at IMS low these many years ago, and he had the thought, you know, you can take all this and take it outside of Buddhism, bring it into science, relanguage everything, mm. call it stress, you know, mm. and stress <laughs> reduction. And uh, first you bring it to the healthcare system, then you bring it to education, and you change the world. And I think he really has changed the Didn't world. Didn't the Dalai Lama say that? Like if if, ki- if every eight-year-old was taught yeah, mindfulness, yeah. that would end yeah, something in a yeah. generation? Yeah. He was like, it'd end yeah. violence. yeah. 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 And so And you see that. There's there's data for that. Yeah. You teach and, inner and city I think, kids. And that's meditation. really because of John. You know, wow. because he insisted on research and he you mm. know Obviously he, not just inner city, I want to say all kids, but yeah, yeah, they yeah, saw yeah. it in violent communities. It was like yeah. this is really yeah. they saw it in prisons. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so um so John, you know, in Parkland we, he's telling the story of um uh how he began. So he said he was an undergraduate at MIT. And he just saw a sign up on the wall one day in the corridor saying, you know, lecture on Zen, such and such a time in this room. And he said, I don't even know why I went. He said, just something drew me. And I went, and there were maybe like five people in the room. There was Philip Kaplan-Roshi who was giving the lecture. There was the faculty coordinator. And there were like maybe four students. And he said, and the lecture totally changed my life. And there was no looking back from that. And I kept sitting there thinking of Philip Kaplan Roshi going back to his hotel that night thinking, damn, there are only five people wow. in the room. You know, what a waste of an evening. Wow. You know, like what, you know. That's incredible. You know. That's silly, but I had a friend. This is silly. I, I had a friend <laughs> who was suicidal and then he watched Ace Ventura <laughs> and he just started laughing. He had seen it a million times, but it, it saved him That's right. from that darkness. That's right. And I was like, I don't know what Jim Carrey was feeling that day yeah but there he was saving somebody yeah, from a right. dark place and i was like five people in a class and one of them went to change the world yeah, yeah. it's the starfish story it made a difference yeah to exactly that it yeah. made a difference to them but i right. think making a difference to one actually ripples out wow. in ways that we can't know so that's sort of where my mind went i mean it went in part to kind of the ramdas answer because mm-hmm. i think that's true it's our own personal journey and our, our movement toward freedom but it makes a difference in this world, right, which right. could really use it. Right. Isn't, is there something to what a beautifully horrible dance that's happening that it, it, it's sort of the play. I yeah. mean, I mean, on a certain level, I think it, it has to be seen that way, but yeah. it's also a little risky to see it that way on that yes. level only. Right. Because then you can be dismissive of somebody. Well, somebody told me that uh, I was disturbed by this, that they sometimes they've weaponized mindfulness in certain branches of the military, because if you can get someone locked into the moment, that horrible thing that they did, they're like, well, that's gone. That's over. You become a sin eater, which is something that they do. I, I don't I've only seen it in movies, but I think it's a real term where you do the unspeakable thing for the greater good. And it's like. That coach them out of it through mindfulness. I don't. That sounds like a conspiracy. Yeah. Well, it's but. no, no. I mean, it, it's 
it's true that they are uh, teaching mindfulness in the military more. Mm. <coughs> it's, I think, a very complicated story. You know, mm. um, it started, as far as I know, and I, I believe, um, with people seeing veterans suffering from PTSD and, mm. you know, the incredible suicide rate and things like that and saying, well, let's try to help them. And I don't know anybody that felt weird about that. Right. You know, yeah. and... And then it moved to some people saying, well, what if it's a preventative? Before the fact. Before the thing. What if we teach it in basic training Mm. so that people don't end up in that hideous place, you know? Right, right. And, you know, we have a military. We we support a government that has a military. Right. It's happening. It's happening. This is tricky, but it's dark. It's happening. And it's not so much. I mean, some people say that, you know, it's to have a mindful sniper. And I don't think that's actually so uh at least i don't think that was the intention you know Mm. i think it really was okay what if it is a preventative and people won't fall apart and Mm. shouldn't we try that and Mm. then what the neuroscience is showing that there are things like um changes in executive function so it's not so much you can let go of the terrible thing you just did but uh they say like for example the um, seeing a shadow somewhere and then just starting to shoot right. is reduced. You know, so the, there are fewer like massacres. Right, of, right. Uh, you know, there's better decision-making. Is it too weird, you know, because you end up weaponizing mindfulness and having... Right. I don't know, you know, like I don't, I don't, do, I don't do that teaching, so right. I don't know how I'd feel about it. I mean, it, it reminds me of the, the Gita, which is obviously set in a, in a war, which is always mm-hmm. really tricky for me to get into that text Mm -hmm. but that has an overlying feeling of like look this is what's happening that's right and we're gonna do it from this place yeah but it was what we've turned again i I, i'm feeling a little discomfort going into this advanced of a topic but we have turned religion into like being nice it's Mm -hmm. like a nice a nice thing it's an ethic Mm -hmm. enforcer and then some of the Eastern philosophies have more of a like, no, a lot of things are happening and they're all sort of lawful in this weird way that we may not understand. Yeah. I also want to put a plug in for like struggling with more moral questions. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I think it's really good to struggle with this. You know, mm-hmm. like I remember that moment when, you know, I didn't know anybody who wasn't supporting mindfulness teaching for veterans. Mm hmm. You know, and I remember that moment when somebody said, what if it's a preventative? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it was different. Mm. And it's a struggle. Right. We are so okay. It's a no-brainer if it's already happened to heal. But to to heal and bring awareness into something before it happens. I remember in my Bible study in, in high school, somebody, they I think they did it as a joke, but they were going to Vegas and they prayed for forgiveness for what they were going to do. Yeah. And we, me and the other good boys afterwards and girls were like, well, that's just not how this works. You're not supposed to pray for forgiveness. And now I'm sort of like, well, this is great. Yeah. Especially when it's something as benign as what did they do? Go and get drunk. These yeah, weren't yeah. like evil <laughs> intentions. They were just being wild uh, kids. Uh, now I can understand that better, maybe even than they intended it. But that, that I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with that. I'm gonna carry that. We're not yeah. gonna f- solve it today. But even you know, I just I appreciate like that 
we have to grapple with these things. And as awful as it feels and difficult as it can be, I think the struggle is the point because mm. that's in a life spirituality. Right. You know, instead of a pat answer, like it's wrong. Well, if you are, with, without a doubt, an oversimplified thing, if there was a void that manifested into one and then it's just one and there's no relationship... That's why the Christians have the Trinity is that it's the understanding of God as flow and existing in relationship, which is also reflected in the physical universe in the mm -hmm. physical in physics. Um, if we were one and there was nothing happening, splitting into many and getting into messes seems sort of like the point. Yeah. Yeah. I, there was a, 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 a Muslim mystic that was talking about our existence, um, calming the dread of God, this, this idea that there was something that needed to be remedied, not in a, there's a problem, mm -hmm. but like sitting with the, the idea that there was just one awareness that of course it would want to, it's by, by nature yeah. wants to spread yeah. and yeah. be infinity, do every play. Michael Gunger said, sorry, I'm not being very articulate. Michael Gunger said in his book, this, which is incredible. He goes, if you were infinity, what game wouldn't you play? And of course you would play the messiest, yeah. weirdest yeah. games. Yeah. You even see this when I play, um, they're called sandbox video games where you're just a guy and you go around and uh, there's no agenda. You can just kind of go around the city. You do everything you can. You want to see if you can break that window. Of course you do. And I know that's sort of an oversimplified way of saying it. I'm like, so as it might be with infinity, mm -hmm. I'm going to play every game, beautiful, horrible, confusing, logical. It's all going to be there. It's crazy. <laughs> Do we think Ramdas has been reincarnated? <laughs> Are uh, people talking about this? Are we looking for him like a llama? Oh, what an interesting Do we have his thing. hairbrush? Are we giving it to children? He didn't have any hair. I know. Uh, <laughs> um... Maybe. I mean, he, uh, I, I, I meant to kind of calculate when was 49 days because yeah. it's supposed to be the yeah length of the barter. So I'd say, yeah, I, I, I don't know that we will look for him, but I bet we find him. You think you know? so? Yeah. I mean, I bet there'll be maybe many findings, you know, wow. of like some extraordinary kid. What fun. What fun. I remember KD said that he thought that um, Maharaji was Christ, and yeah. which, which I thought was interesting. And he said that this was on this podcast. He goes, uh, I'm going to lay low this time. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to eat in an ashram in India and hang out with some hippies. Right, feed people. <laughs> I don't need a book. <laughs> I don't need a story. I don't want a council. I don't want a crucifixion. Let's just let's just be love this yeah, time. Yeah. And and it'll be less dramatic. But again, what game wouldn't yeah. Infinity play? Yeah. Very, very interesting. Do you have any other let's let's do some Ramdas. Any other Ramdas memories? What when his passing happened or or how it affected you? Yeah, I mean I was I was uh home in Barry, Massachusetts working on my taxes on my Oh, wow. Computer and my cell phone uh, lit up, and it was Noah. Noah told me to. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, but I didn't answer it. And I thought, why is Noah calling me? Ramdas must have died. Yeah. And then two minutes later, uh, Lily called me, mm. my assistant, and, and I picked it up, and I said, what's going on? Noah just called me. Yeah. And, uh, <coughs> and she said, Ramdas just died. And uh, I live in a... A duplex uh, with Joseph Goldstein on the other side. So I, I, 
hung up and I went to tell Joseph, but he already knew he was on the phone with Mirabai. Mm. So he put her on speakerphone and, and we just, you know, spoke and then she hung up and then Raghu called him instantly, you know, and and, mm. and he put him on speakerphone and we spoke. And um, one of the things that really struck me was that except for Ramesh, um, all, all most of the people, virtually all the people who were very close to him had just left. You know, Krishnadas had just left, left Maui. Me, left Maui. Mm-hmm. Krishnadas had just left Mirbai had just left. Raghu had just left. <coughs> and uh, the people who were with him were Ramesh and the caregivers mm. who had taken care of his body. And... Uh, Many, maybe all the old caregivers flew back into Maui. Hmm. And they had this period of, I don't know how long they kept his body in the house, you know, some days hmm. um, on ice. And, Is that uh, right? Yeah. Wow. And they chanted. Isn't that a they, practice? I, I've, I've seen that with other teachers that die. Yeah. Trungpa Rinpoche, they didn't <laughs> rush him. Yeah, to yeah. Or usually you keep the body. Um, yeah. And. Uh, they had, I don't know if you saw it, like on Facebook, they had like a white, looked like a cardboard, big cardboard box for his body for the crematorium. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, people wrote on it. And they wrote on it. They decorated yeah. it. It looked like an old hippie bus. And mm. somebody wrote, Return to Sender. Oh, you know, wow. and, that's and I just love the fact that the caregivers were really the people mm-hmm. who were with him right up to the very end because mm-hmm. it was the most intimate relationship. Like, yeah taking care of his body and and they were the ones yeah you know who really were there yeah in those final hours and i just think that's the most beautiful thing i love that i i've told this story before but i'd love to tell you that i brought him an ice cream sandwich because he loves sweets and then he this is when i was on my second retreat and he ate it and he enjoyed it but at the end he was like uh he said my friends are digging my grave for me <laughs> So I was like, oh no, I was a bad, I was bad. He he didn't mean it like over, he wasn't overreacting, he wasn't underreacting. He was just kind of like, you realize I'm a dying old man and you just gave yeah. me like saturated sugar. fat and yeah. sugar and like thanks but no thanks sort of thing. And, well, it was uh, after eating it, it wasn't exactly no thanks. He did eat it, he did eat it. But I had, again, I've, got, I've, I've gotten calmer and I'm very happy about that. There would, would have been a time where I would have really harped on that, especially seeing as the next day I was alone the entire day. It didn't really bother me. I was like, yeah, all right. I, I brought someone I love. I, that's what I said. I said, I can't help it. And he was like, ah, I can't help it. And then the next day I was leaving or the day after, I don't know, I'm leaving and I had never seen him in his bed, but the bed was behind where I would meet with him. And I have this photo. It's a little too raw, I think, to frame mm-hmm. because he, he's in his bed. He looks very old, very close to dying, which he was. And I'm sort of going in thinking like, oh, I'm the guy that brought you the ice cream sandwich. And I walked in and he looked at me. And this is not my ego saying this. I'm saying this is a, a loving person. He looked at me like, I don't know who I was. The Beatles, like walking in like his favorite person in the world had just walked in. Mm. None of 
anything was there. None of the you were good was there. None of the you were bad was there. He was right there. I'm thinking I don't want to take any more of this guy's time. We've already sat together three times being polite. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just want to say goodbye. He had none of that. And he held my hand. And that's what I have the photo. And we just gazed at each other for a while. And I, I love telling the story. He just, he just kept saying, brothers, brothers, brothers. Oh. And I was like, and you know what he means to me. Yeah. And then I saw him at the retreat. We didn't really talk very much. We, I saw him a couple of times. He saw Leela. And then when we did the mala ceremony where he gives out the beads, um, I'm standing in front of him and everybody's just getting the beads. I just blew him a, a kiss. And, and, and then he died like a month later. And I was just like, obviously I didn't know, but there was this like bond. It was like, that's what yeah. you do when you say bon yeah. voyage. You're just yeah. like, you're like blowing a kiss. Oh yeah. It was just sort of from my limited little Pete perspective, it was like a very touching story yeah. 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 of like this final moment, a little bit of a, snafu unconditional i i you can't until you feel it when someone is yeah, so spacious yeah, it's like yeah. montana you're yeah. just like i'm in montana this person yeah. loves me yeah. has nothing to do with anything and then and then to blow him a kiss and and he and he goes i was like the way that this little me perceived the story was very beautiful yeah it is a very beautiful story oh thank you and then i think i told you i was like since then uh, the word that we use, I'm like, he's so much more bioavailable. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I, I, when I found out that he passed, I went and sat with a picture of him, and it was trippy, really cool, really. Like Nick Turn told me that the Buddhists say that it's like a vase with air in it, and the vase breaks and the air joins the air. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, he feels dispersed. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, really beautiful yeah. way and very available and totally and available. available, more yeah. available. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't localized I, I was like oh you talk about book blurb my version was i don't have to fly to maui yeah i love going to maui but i mean like it was a bit much going yeah. there yeah. <laughs> constantly yeah. I, I would always say i have family there that's the only way i could explain yeah. to my friends yeah. it's like yeah. i'm going to maui yeah. they thought i think they thought i was like a beach junkie it was to sit with an old man <laughs> yeah feed him ice cream <laughs> and give him ice cream and you know what i don't regret the ice cream no. in the same way it it was lawful. It was like, uh, yep, you brought somebody who really loves you and knows that you love sweets brought you yeah, ice cream. Yeah. And he did pass. And when I really thought about it, I was like, the time of his passing was probably affected not just by the ice cream, but by the conversations we had. Everything. Yeah, everything yeah, is interconnected. Yeah, yeah. But it was okay. It, yeah. And that was the brother's moment. It's all. Yeah, it's beautiful. It was lawful. It's so and beautiful. Beautiful and okay. I have two questions for you. One is I don't know if we did this the last time. Uh, well, I'll, I'll end on that one. Has anything happened to you? I'm sure the answer is yes, but what, I wonder which one will come to mind that you just can't explain. Sometimes this is where people tell uh, a ghost story. This is where somebody tells a story of some, I mean, I don't know how you want to interpret it. Is there something that happened to share and that you're just like, and you know what? I have no idea what that was. I think all the time. I, I'm, 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 I know. You're, can I think of one? I don't know. This. We're floating in space recording this podcast. Yeah. I mean, or just like looking at my phone and it's no, oh, Ramdas must have died. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, no one doesn't call me ordinarily, you know. So right. I had like, the same experience. You know. Yeah. Well, then the other one is easier and better. Not better. But uh, can you think of a time you laughed really, really, really hard? Who, who you were with. Maybe you were a child. 
I doubt it was a child. <laughs> probably more reason than that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Here again, there's just so many. You know, like it's yeah. kind of a blur. I love uh, it. I think a person like you is sort of um, not right for those questions because you are merging with the moment. <laughs> They're good for like. It sort of goes back to my point about cleverness. Like I ask that to comedians, and they. Almost like in the way that we've been groomed to do talk shows and stuff. It's like, well, yes, I have five anecdotes. And I sort of love, and I'm going to remember that you're like, what do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> I love it. I don't know. Did you grow up watching Mr. Rogers, by the way? I did, yeah. Because I'm too old for that. You know, okay. People keep asking me. but Yeah, did you watch the movie? I did. The, I did. the Tom Hanks one? I watched both. I watched the and documentary. the documentary, yeah. Did you yeah. like it? I did. I liked it a lot. But yeah. the, when I watched the documentary... I had like all this fear because I kept thinking, "Oh, is just is this to the prelude before they reveal yeah. the scandal?" You know, yeah. like what's we, the I think I felt where's that the too. other shoe dropping? And yeah. it never happened. So yeah, I thought, no. "Oh, he was like a good person." Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, I'm grateful that he sort of not that he had a scandal, but he did grow up in a time where every thought he had as an adolescent wasn't on the record. I sort of feel like we're going to be robbed of. Mm-hmm potential great teachers because you'll be able to look back and see that they tweeted um something awful yeah like i'm saying like we'll see some of their swamp i had a joke where i was like i wish we had filmed the resurrection i wish we had filmed christ's life or whatever and i'm like what and ruin it you're gonna ruin it that he Mm -hmm. smoked cigarettes and called everyone chief like uh gurus are better dead Mm -hmm. Know what I mean? So similarly, I feel like Mr. Rogers might be the last one mm-hmm. in that way that we won't have. I mean, we're going to have the next great teacher. So if Ramdas is reincarnated, we're going to have photos of his brunch. You know what right. I'm saying? That's right. We're going to have everything that he had at confusing puberty times or his opinion about some movie. It's like Buddha's wisdom on dodging those questions. You get reduced into these hot topic things. Yeah, yeah. And Ramdas would. When he, it's hard to find, but I found when he's asked about abortion, I found when he's asked about um, whatever the hot issues are, and he does his best to sort of compassionately see both sides and everything. But like with all of this data, the brain has a very easy time reducing people to policies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and to like a card, like well, yes and no, and yes and no. Well, this is a good teacher, this is a bad teacher, and then the brain delights being able to compartmentalize and split and identify with or not identify with when I see, and I'm really going to maintain that the Buddha is like, no pass. I know, I see what you're doing. You'd like, you'd like me to be that's right. Non-dual. Is that what you'd like or, or dual or what do you want? So you can reject me. How about just figure out who you are? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Beautiful. Did you have fun? I had so much fun. <laughs> I had so much fun. It's I'm great so to see you I'm so happy to again. see you too. Well, let's go say hi to the baby. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, oh, do you, this maybe feels silly. Do you want some CBD? I give my guests CBD. Have you ever tried it? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, that's my it's favorite It's a little hard CBD. because I don't know. It's can, hard to know um, which brands and which dosage. But now I know because you just gave me a particular. Well, this has grown. These guys did the podcast. It's grown in Denver for human consumption. This is a small one. Are you flying? This might be too big to fly with. Do you want two of the small ones? Well, can I put it in my bag? You can check it. I can check it. Oh, I didn't know you check bags. Yep. There you go. (laughs) I, I have so much stuff. I check bags. And do you have a dog? No. They make dog treats. 
They also make gummies. These are gummies for sleep. There you go. There you go. That's Charlotte's Web, cwhemp.com slash weird and promo code keepitcrispy19, I believe. Uh, Thank you, Sharon. We end by saying... Keep it crispy. I don't know if you remember. That's the catchphrase. I so don't you, remember you say it. keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. <laughs> you keep it crispy. Thank you. So much love to you. Thank you. I'm so crispy. I'm so crispy. My ice game make you want to get me.